Good evening. Welcome to the uh, Dissect Podcast. I have no idea what episode this will be, but uh, I'm sitting in the studio tonight with uh, with Michael, and we have a guest uh, in town tonight, Matthew Weatherly White. And um, he, uh, I, I mean, if you, you listen to one of the earlier episodes where we were speaking with Brian Harder, Matthew uh, used to race bikes with Brian, and uh, Brian's first incarnation as a bike rider, part of the infamous George's team. George's. <laughs> world-class talent, like not world-class race strategy. Smart, I was about to say, smartest guys on the road in the era. <laughs> um, oh, God. And uh, yeah, hearing some of Brian's stories about that was great. And, and tonight we're, we, um, we agreed we were going to start with the topic of recovery, um, you know, trying to keep this sort of in a, in a fitness uh, context, um, which I don't even know why we bother anymore because... <laughs> so it's just like not that interesting sometimes, but we're gonna we're we'll, we're gonna start there, and partially um, we'll do that because uh, Matthew was instrumental in developing um, a a a, a, to, a tool for recovery, um, which is uh, it, it's sort of an integrated subjective testing and algorithmic combination uh, that allows you to uh, sort of monitor recovery status and base your. Uh, training or performance accordingly um and this uh we i think let's see we sort of virtually met each other if i recall yeah. correctly around 2010 yeah when uh restwise first uh first started and, and it was actually it was a uh, to me it was a fairly interesting thing because i had already figured out uh based on you know some years involved you know in my own personal fitness journey and um, with climbing with ski mountain racing with bike racing etc that uh i knew fuck all about recovery only oh, i i knew a lot about a lack of recovery yeah. and very little about doing it and, and so when this when the the the, the um, possibility to like participate or at least become have something teach me some awareness of my current recovery status that was outside of my own sort of like ah i feel good i feel bad that would be the, you know, that would be the, uh, let's see, effectiveness of, or the lens through which I looked at, you know, what I should do on any given day. And I would just do whatever I wanted anyway. And, and, uh, um, so I, uh, started using, uh, the, I'm going to have to call it a tool. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's software. Like it's an software. app. Software. It's an app. It's yeah. software and an app. But you also have, you know, the pulse oximeter that comes with yep. and that sort of thing. But so I started using it. We engaged in some conversations. And, and as I mentioned earlier, um, when uh, when you got here, that, that there was a phrase that you had mentioned in that time. And this is, I mean, now it's eight years later yeah. from <laughs> that particular statement that was a universal sort of truth that stayed with me to this day. And, and uh, I'm totally... Um, actually, I'm pretty thrilled that when uh, a- after Brian had you know been on the podcast and and and, and heard it um, and said, "Hey, you should get in touch and uh, <laughs> be a really good conversation because it will go all." He didn't say this. I'm just going to say it now. I'm pretty sure that we're going to start with recovery, <laughs> and <laughs> even without Michael going into every rabbit hole that we come across, uh, we are going to go all the fuck over the I've floor. got a so, quadrant analysis diagram drawn for behavioral economics so 
Let's get into it. <laughs> I was going to say this goes somewhere totally unexpectedly. Yeah. The visual that I got when you said this is going to go all over the place, I saw an artist who used molten copper that he poured into an African anthill. And then he excavated the entire thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen and that. then yeah. wind blasted, air, air blasted, air hose all the sand away. And so we ended up with this copper mm. tree, basically. Right. And it was one of the most extraordinary like pieces yeah. of natural art I've ever seen. But when you said we're going to go everywhere, that's the image that came to mind. So, yeah, we're going everywhere, good, dude. Well, okay, we're going everywhere. <laughs> and good Lord, if uh, you... I could got some crayons I can melt probably. We could I don't know, pour that into the mixing board and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I have seen that thing. That is really bizarre. Actually not I think it's aluminum, not copper. He right? did yeah, uh, the one I saw was silver for sure. I don't I, know. I what think it was is. aluminum. Yeah. I think it was polished aluminum. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was absolutely insane to see yeah. the core of an ant hive. Yeah. Um and, and that that kinda that kinda I, That's I a nice even segue call, too. Maybe call it yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, he left me dead. But I, I don't know if you call that art. Like, that's more like fucking around with metal. Like, <laughs> true. But it comes out in a cool way. So I, I, I definitely. And that's what. And you just call it art after the fact. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think I anytime just, you do something for the first time, you can call it art, and then it's derivative, <laughs> <laughs> and it's no longer art. And then what do you call it once you copy somebody else's art? Yeah, then it's sampling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, only if it's like five. Only if it's five seconds yeah. or less, right? Okay. Or yeah, yeah, like yeah. Whatever uh, the, yeah. the fifteen-second rule. Or maybe you call that a lawsuit. I don't know. Uh, so okay. we messed with this. Uh, Mark gave me um, the Restwise kit and set us up with this whole thing. It, it was actually a really interesting process. During the time, I don't think I appreciated it for what it was. It's funny because I because th- I think we started with three yeah. kits yeah. that you sent us. And accounts, and I had one, and you had one, yeah. and then we gave one to Rob, who completely fucked it up. Oh, did he? Fuck. Come on. Yeah. What do you think? So uh, Probably. Sorry. I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I mean, well, not that he's not intelligent, it's just that... No, but this, this principle comes down, I think it's a, a fairly relevant thing, because I haven't thought about it uh, over the... So I still use that oxygen... Uh, pulse oximeter piece. Yeah, pulse yeah. oximeter. Yeah. Uh, and I still use a couple, a variation uh, of a tap test. Yep. Um, so we're still using like some neurological stuff, some aerobic sensory stuff, but only in athletes where it matters. And, and yeah. that I think is, is really key because you, we have this rule that made this whole experiment that you sent us on. And I, and I didn't know you at the time. Mark just said, hey, try this and fill out the form and tell them what color your urine is. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's weird, but I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, we have this thing now, like my general go-to rule is you have to first learn um, how to not be lazy. And this is like the hardest sure. thing to teach to lazy people mm-hmm. because their first thing is to pull the pin and sit down and like not go hard. When you're dealing with athletes, though, the next rule is you have to teach them how to not be stupid, which is kind of where your tool comes in. That's exactly right. And, and then, then it's a balance. Then it's a fine balance because if you're too smart, you're being a little bit too lazy. And if you're too lazy, you're being too smart. Like there's there's this like I need stupidity in order to go hard enough, but then I need to recover from that stupidity. Yeah, and that's, and that's when I need to be smart. I mean, yeah. I need to be selectively stupid. Ooh, I think Ooh, is that's a good phrase. Is the, I, mean, is I always the, use the, the phrase thing. toggling between the profile that gets you fit with the profile that keeps you fit. So you hang like, around with smart people all the time. I just go straight to like <laughs> yeah, practical speak. Selectively know. stupid. <laughs> selectively stupid. I yeah. just start immediately <laughs> trying to trash verbally 
the majority of people who work out. <laughs> so that's selectively <laughs> stupid works for my demographic. Um, uh, in this process, though, I, I think um, when we're using it, we're trying to come up with obviously the utility. Yeah. And I think after a couple of months of using it, we're like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of like, oh, well, it's a, it's a fidget. It's a new tool. It's a new thing. And I don't think I realized how much I've actually used the tools that were inherently learned during that process. And now that I actually, well, because so we talk about like, you know, intuition is a big part of training. It has to be. You need to um, move in a manner that you, you learn in a manner rather, um, where movement then becomes intuitive and then you can express that movement at the highest level. And I, I don't think this is any different where if you learn the basic tools of different recovery practices, then you don't need to think about it anymore. Uh, it's so interesting to hear you say that because we've been really thinking about um, re-engineering our business model. Right? So we've got the software, mm-hmm. which is a tool, and then we have the business around the software, which is how we sort of make money on it if we're going to. And what we think we should do is just abandon the whole idea of a subscription-based business model and mm-hmm. instead go to a single point of sale for software and call it an education tool and say, look, Ooh. use it for 60 to 90 days. And you'll basically be pretty up-armored for recovery awareness. This isn't far from what we teach about nutrition or diet. Like when we teach diet or like our big thing is like no one wants to buy a book that's like take six months and figure out your own diet and then you're good for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound interesting, but when you project it and how we sell it, I think to people is like, look, if you do this at least for a, a three months or a four month period and you track and you understand food at a, a higher level, especially when it is concerning training, you're never going to have to really think about it again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do the education up front, read yeah. the, you know, read all the labels, understand, like start noting, you know, how certain things make you feel it, you know, and, and, the, and the, and the timing thereof. And then, I mean, the whole idea is not like, you don't need to be bound by this rigid thing. No. You need to be, um, to, to work within the sort of natural rules that, and not, not even arbitrary or ex- external rules, but just like, okay, there's certain stuff that makes me perform better yeah. or recover faster. And if I start noticing that stuff, which is essentially what, I mean, it was, the, that's the sort of the same thing that, uh, I got from using the RestWise tool was this ju- was the awareness, yeah. like the personal awareness, and and monitoring these certain things. You get in, you spend the the the, the time um, developing those habits, and that's exactly what we're talking about when we do the nutrition stuff. So uh, let me ask you because I I, I I've always wondered um, without I know some some of the answers to these, but I think people interested in recovery might be uh, also interested. What are the um, According to your charts and things that you measure, metrics of sorts, um, how did you arrive at those, and what importance do you put on each? Like, sure, in, yeah, in I guess an order of sorts. <clears throat> so first, I should I should say that <clears throat> the genesis of Restwise was originally um, a little bit redundant. There, the genesis was originally the genesis was that I was working with an athlete, Rebecca Rush. I was coaching her, and this was at a time when she was. Um, evolving from an adventure um, endurance athlete to a mountain bike racer. And so I was spending a lot of time talking with her about how she was responding to the training that I was assigning her. And it was enormously time consuming. She was, it was unfamiliar training. She, she had never been um, a highly structured athlete in the first place. And so imposing regimented train discipline on somebody who'd always been pretty free form, free form was really tough. And I just said to myself, God, I've, I've 
got to be able to figure out a way to distill this 30 minutes a day conversation mm. into something that is more intuitive and quicker. So I'm not just consuming my life talking with this really cool woman to see not what she should be doing, but how she is responding to what I'm assigning her hmm. so that I can then make incremental training decisions that will, that will stage the next three to six months of training that we're, that we're going to plan. <clears throat> and so, um, I thought, wow, I wonder if there's like an online tool that could sort of help me do this. And I thought, well, if we could track her pulse more easily than, you know, get your watch, you know, mm. count, blah, blah, blah. So I found a pulse oximeter and I was like. So to look at sort of like waking pulse. Would yeah, be just resting heart like, rate. Yeah, resting, resting heart rate. Resting okay. heart rate in the morning. I thought, well, at least that's something she can do. How can I make it really easy for her to do that? Yeah. So I found these pulse oximeters and they were pretty cheap, ordered from China. Um, and then I thought more about it. And I said, wait a second, there are other biomarkers that I know have some demonstrated scientific correlation to an elevated fatigue state. Like as an athlete, yeah. I know that. So I just started. I've of, felt that. We all have, <laughs> yeah. right? We all have. And it's yeah. like, but, 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 but in the, um, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, Mark, in, in, the, in, the, in the world of academia, operating under the publish or perish paradigm, scientists don't actually have an incentive to say, well, it's actually pretty easy. And all you got to do is sort of look at this suite of set. You know, they all have, <laughs> a, they all want to say, Hey, Hey, no, it's, this biomarker. It's complicated. And is weird. the one. And here's my cohort of 300 athletes. And here's the training protocol that I put them through. And it's like, and I'm a wizard and I'm a wizard. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not an algorithm. It's a logarithm. Cause you don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> And, and and when we were speaking before, I mean, talking about like the the the, the invasiveness of some of the scientific conclusions, yeah. like that. Hey, if we measure this, which requires you know a blood sample and a rectal probe, um, <laughs> which not everyone's down with. Yeah. You know, I get it. Some people are. You know, I'm totally. You know, um, I'm open to I'm, ideas. Uh, yeah, I'm open to ideas, <laughs> guys. I want to recover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a rectal probe? Is, what is protocol for elevated recovery? <laughs> exactly, but. But but like super invasive, and if you were going to try and do that on a daily basis, and and yeah, it could be, it could provide you with the most accurate information possible. But if it is that invasive and required on a daily basis, it's unuseful, and therefore, yes. Thank you for publishing. I hope you perish. Yeah, thank you for publishing. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, the idea was just to figure out some way to get Rebecca's information so that I could make training decisions really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so what came to me was I needed to have a scoring system, figure out what her recovery state was, which is the, you know, the obverse of fatigue state. Um, and I called a buddy of mine who's a serial technologist and another friend of mine who was the, you know, he was, he's a sports scientist um, at the University of Loughborough, which is the headquarters for UK sport, which is the high performance arm of the Great Britain Olympic effort. And um, so I got him on a conference call and said, hey, like, is this idea, does it even have merit? Hmm. And they were like, Totally. That makes a ton of sense. <laughs> <laughs> so we funded it and um, it, it didn't take very much capital because, you know, in these days it's really easy to launch a company. And um, uh, we sort of just pushed it out into the current with a soft launch just to sort of see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And man, we got calls from Manchester United and the New Zealand All Blacks. And the, right. it was like everybody was thinking about this. And in hindsight, it kind of makes sense um, because I think a lot of the bleeding edge sports scientists in the world were all being told by their bosses that they could no longer depend upon performance enhancing drugs. 
as an exclusive enhancement to performance for their teams. And so they're all looking at ways to increase performance without relying on pharmaceuticals. And this was, you know, in boring. the app. <laughs> boring. <laughs> um, They'll never make a documentary about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is the, what is the, uh, the well, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that's sort of what I was referring to, but I was just trying to think of what the, um, what the Team Sky sort of thing is incremental Zero. gains or millim- marginal gains. marginal gains. There we go. Yeah, fucking boring name for a documentary. Boring. Yeah, it's, and, that's going to be an interesting documentary when it gets made. No, no, no. Yeah, how marginal are you talking about? They, and, they just and announced a new documentary getting and, made about doping and CrossFit, produced uh, by CrossFit. Speaking of moral, oh, flex- really? moral <laughs> flexibility, <laughs> ambiguity. Is oh, the, uh, uh, ah, ambiguity. <laughs> I like flexibility though because ambiguity means you're you know you're neither here nor there and i'm just like when i'm flexible i'm just like i'm hard on the side when you know when i'm racing i'm definitely taking psychedelic drugs <laughs> and when i'm trying to recover um you know i just like to sleep no i'm just pretty sure i'm pretty sure that you know they don't test for psilocybin right <laughs> at least during yeah. which would be really yeah, in, in competition and, no, and, and, it, and, it, and it'd wash out pretty quick yeah and as far as and that was my commitment next time uh that if i ever race logan to jackson again it'd be on psilocybin no uh, I'd, I'd, I'd go i'd go i'd go chemical i'd, I'd go LSD. i'd go lab i'd go yeah yeah, yeah 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 i'd go hard Psilocybin. Synthetic. it's a nine-hour race you know and, and the gut problems yeah, have some gut issues. Yeah, I'm, you know, anyway, thinking sorry. about performance. But to go back to that question, <laughs> if, if if you want to loop back to that yeah. question, <laughs> so the idea was we had to have non-invasive biomarkers, mm. and we did a quick quick scrub with this guy Vern Neville, who's this super cool badass South African rugby player who's done two America's Cup campaigns and now has a PhD in exercise physiology, and he's just a good dude. Um, and from if he's from that sort of school in South Africa, I mean, there's there's some. Uh, good hard, science hard least. hitters yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's say he, he got his um, with, o- with, with Noakes. Noakes. Noakes yeah I was yeah, just gonna he, say he studied yeah. with Noakes nice um, and yeah he's iconoclastic and just smart and fun and um, and so we sort of did a scrub of all of the non-invasive biomarkers that we thought we could incorporate into um, a web hosted algorithm and we came up with quantitative ones and qualitative ones and subjective ones and objective ones. And then the scoring algorithm is what's called a norm-seeking algorithm. Mm. And what that means is it, um, it tunes itself effectively to every user by what you, how you answer the questions. Because you might remember that the answers are not, um, the inquiry is not on a Likert scale. So it's not like on a one to right, three right, or one to right. five. It's on a normal below normal and above normal mm-hmm. answer basis. And so that, that what it does is it teaches the algorithm to understand what your normal is. Teaching you your base. Teaching you your base. And, yeah, and what okay. it's, it, it becomes a big feedback loop. And so your comment at the top of this um, podcast around it being an education tool is actually spot on. We just didn't realize it was an education tool when we started it. What we thought it was was a performance monitoring tool. Mm-hmm. And only in a coached environment where a coach is actually responsible for the training decisions of a group of people Mm -hmm. is it an effective monitoring tool. Because as an individual, if you're using RustWise, it's boring as shit. Like it never really changes very much. And if you're doing it right, it should never change. (laughs) And what are you going to do? You're going to be like every single day you come to this tool and you're like 75. 82 It's like every day it's going to be 80 because we rounded to the nearest decile. So every day it's going to be 80. 
Nobody wants to do that. This, this I, reminds me of Mark's uh, HRV experiment going on <laughs> while we were in Michigan, where he's, we're basically told him day after day that he needs to check into a hospital. <laughs> and, then, and then the one time he's cleared to go is the day of his race, well, the perfect. mountain bike race. Yeah, and he's like, right on, I'm going. And it, it reminded me of something he said when we were messing with this software. It was basically like, it reinforces well-developed intuition, and I and I think there's yeah. So there's some there's something. But if you people don't have, have the intuition, very, exactly. Right. And so and that and that was another thing. Like to 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 have us sort of as a test group mm-hmm. or as a user group, like we're coming at it from having sort of looked at this or tried to sensitize ourselves to this sort of thing yeah. for a long, long time, and so maybe it was something that would have been maybe you know we sort of sped through that attrition process a little bit faster than other people would um, that, that didn't have that, that, that came in without mm-hmm. the, um, without having that sensitivity, without ever even considered it, that, that it was something that they should maybe pay attention to. I, I kind of thought about it in that, like, it could be potentially very good to optimize performance. And that's one of the band words I, I know, know, but yeah, we don't talked really about have, him. I've been super but, sensitive about this list of band words already. Yeah, yeah. But he it also it. has the potential <laughs> to, like, exponentiate idiocy. Like, if you take this at, like, any, any algorithm or program or mathematical equation, if you take it as the rule of thumb without... Yeah the learning process of being like, oh, well, it's off because of this, or this is what normal is. And I, yeah. I think you or identifying this what could normal, have affected yeah. the reading that I'm seeing now. Like I can, I have these things in my, let's say, physiologic memory that could be affecting that. Look, I need to uh, allow those things. Like, why is this happening? Because yeah. ultimately that's what we're looking for is the, the why, because then we can actually, you know, change something yeah so and then this this question would be kind of on that basis because uh, you mentioned teaching intuition and, and this is i'm supposing you don't want people to be reliable on the software right like, dependent on it. dependent yeah no well so initially from a business perspective that's absolutely what we wanted sure but we thought it would be a way for people to monitor their global fatigue state global stress state mm-hmm and incorporate that monitored awareness into their training decisions. And so for us, it wasn't really about, hey, we want you to become dependent upon it. It was more like, hey, this is an ongoing useful tool. Mm -hmm. And what we learned through the process of managing this business for several years was that it actually didn't really work that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that what you were? Yeah, yeah. It seems more or less that you've taken basically the same approach that we do to coaching an athlete which is that we want to teach you as much intuition yes. as possible so that we can remove ourselves yes. from the equation and you can fly on your own. Yeah, and, and that's where the, the, um, the, the tension between having an effective, um, an effective tool for athletes mm. and having a successful business, right? That tension isn't, yeah. isn't resolved by the, not, not, by, not by the bringing the product to market, but rather by the, by the business model that we based the, the business itself on, which was a recurring revenue model. And I think in hindsight, had we at the time announced it as an education tool with a one-time lifetime fee, I think we would have had a very different response in the marketplace. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is we've you know, effectively failed to penetrate the mass market, whereas we've been surprisingly successful in a market that we didn't even identify when we launched the company, which is professional teams and sports federations. Right. And, uh, which is, a, uh, that's a fascinating thing. Yeah. I mean, if we're, um, if... 
Michael, you and I, we agree that we are engaged in a fist fight with human nature. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that w- and we have the bruises to prove it. And, uh, yeah, and I'm so currently the, losing. I think we're in like I, the thirteenth round or something. I, I was, I was going to say there's Rocky, like overtime, Rocky. whatever. <laughs> like we're yeah. Ain't gonna be no rematch. <laughs> Someone put blinding I, powder in my eyes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody put hypersensitivity powder into mine. And just like, <laughs> I can't sleep. Um, but uh, uh, being in, in this, I, I mean, thinking about it in, in a way of like, okay, you're, you're re- you supply the individual with the tool and then you're relying on them to sort of use it effectively and, and, and to, to, to keep using it. Um, obviously, that's uh, unless it has highly addictive properties, mm-hmm. it's that's a bad business model. Yeah, and this is like the anti-addiction. It's it, like it, super, it's like a soporific. This is like, there's no, there's, <laughs> wait, I, I, I take this test and I get my score and there's no upside. Like I don't yeah. get to feel and better that, about myself. And not only that, I, didn't do I f- can't actually improve it. Yeah. I can never get better at this because no, no, no. normal is like 80. But the, but, the, <laughs> and, and, but and I want the, 100, damn it. <laughs> yeah, and if you get 100 consistently, you're lying. Exactly. And, and <laughs> It's the, that simple. Exactly. And the worst thing is the harder I try, the worse my score is. Yeah, like it's, it, it's it's a shitty business. We just didn't see it at the time. But then, but then I look at it and I think, like, oh wait. But then there's then there's a group of people. Yeah, and then there's somebody who's in charge, and, it's totally and the person different. who's in charge is sort of holding them accountable, and he is the interface that provides the feedback and yes. provides the change that that makes the the decisions that change the training prescription or the recovery prescription. And so, like obviously. My hindsight is awesome. <laughs> looking through, looking through the <laughs> looking through the pit vipers, but um, <laughs> but I look back at that and I go, oh wait, yeah, that's it. It's still it's still like every one of these sort of um, qu- you know, quantifying sort of apparatus mm-hmm. um, that that are within the fitness community. All of them require human interpretation. They all do. And if you and 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 the better, um, the, let's see the 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 greater the authority of the interpreter, the more effective the tool is going to be. So if you've got a if you've got yeah. a coach that telling you is like you don't get your recovery status in the line, you're fucking fired. You know you're getting benched. You're not playing Sunday or whenever. Um, then people are going to pay very very close attention to their recovery status yeah. and to use the tool in a, in an, in an honest way. Whereas if it's just you know on their own, I'm just like I'm just looking for a green light, man. Yeah, and I'm going to answer whatever questions get me. You know. Give me permission to do what I'm going to do anyway. Yep. And that part of human behavior and human nature was really unexpected and fascinating for me as the guy who was responsible for running around and doing business development for this tool. So I ended up talking with the strength conditioning coaches at some of the most extraordinary um, franchises yeah. in the world. You know, <laughs> uh, All blacks would be was, I mean, <laughs> right was, up there, yeah. I can't even tell you how cool it was for me at that time because I'm not a sports scientist, right? I am not a scientist. <laughs> I was a creative writing major in college. And to have these guys come to me. Well, that applies to economics. Totally. <laughs> and to have these guys come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? And they were looking at me as an expert. And what that told me was not that I knew a lot, but rather that nobody knew anything about this. And the fact that I had spent you know, a couple of months thinking really hard about this and doing a little bit of a literature review and talking to other people made me kind of an expert. No, but... but uh, Yes, but, <laughs> but or um, 
what it also meant was that there was there was a um, they were looking for you know some creative way I guess like I would I would just economist you call you because you're a fucking artist man like <laughs> because because what you were able to apply this thing and it's and it's not restrictive in in any way and that people can and, and you could have these dis- discussions with um the, the people at these organizations and just say look there's a you and sort of give them permission to use the tool in the way that made sense within the culture they already had around them. Yes. Uh, applying it to the temperaments, the specific individual temperaments of the people that they were coaching and training. I yeah. mean, and that is like, and, and that to me, I look at it and go, wow, this is a really, like, in in a way, yes, some people, they're, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, it's, they want the machine or the, the thing to tell them what to do. But what is interesting to me is like that, uh, the, okay, here's here's the subjective data that's coming back, and if I'm a coach, I have, already have a relationship with this person. I'm like, okay, this guy exaggerates, this guy mm-hmm. underreports, this person, you know, whatever their total baseline, you know that. Um, and so then I have the opportunity at that point to take that data, you know, combine the the data itself with what I know of the individual and my coaching experience with the individual and then turn it around and apply it. And that to me is like, that's a very long and powerful lever. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in that way before. But I, th- I think that's right. And the receptivity was so dependent upon the culture of the organization and, and I'll just share a couple of random a- anecdotes. Um, a friend of mine is a you know, really successful entrepreneur, and he moved his family to New Zealand for several years after selling a company for a lot of money. And he started another company while he was there, which was um, a, a sort of a healthcare-focused tool called Doctor Info. And um, one of his friends was the, the chief medical officer for the New Zealand All Blacks, and he was an investor in RestWise early. And it's a very long story to get to this, but she had told him that in the bars. When the, you know, when the All Blacks went out, the senior players would say to the junior players, hey, better be careful. Your rest score might be off tomorrow morning. So there was a culture where they totally internalized wow. this idea of recovery awareness. Mm-hmm. Moved to several NBA teams that we tried to work with because the strength and conditioning coaches were all really interested in it. Mm-hmm. And none of the players fill out any of the data. Well, of course not. These guys are 23 years old. They're getting paid millions of dollars. They're flying all over the country. They've got you know women in every city that they play in. And they're staying up until you know <laughs> four in the morning, you know, partying after the games. So, like, they're already gods. Like, yeah. Who cares? Whereas the All Blacks, you know, they've got I, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but it's like 60 people on a team. Only what is it, 13 or 14 yeah. of them play at any given time. And so they're constantly rotating through. And so it's like it's like the anti-God. And their, their culture is specifically based on uh, the anti-God culture. Yeah. Like they, they, they so demote, they're not lying. Yeah, they, they're, no, they're not they, lying. They, they the demote tool. people. Like I don't, there's a book, um, uh, Legacy, hmm. it talks about the culture of the All Blacks and how they develop like, such a successful run. And it has nothing to do with like superior genetics. I mean, that's a selective tool already. Um, but their culture is built on one that we like accidentally stumbled on, which is everybody does everything. Hmm. So like the, the best players that play on the field, they sweep the sheds after. 
Interesting. And they have the like the culture is n- nobody is above working at the lowest level. Like it's a team thing. It's not there's no grunt work here for like the new guy to do. Everybody does the work and so that makes sense that when they go out after like that continues. That's a really interesting. That is really interesting. And and, and re- related sort of where that culture team leadership comes in mm-hmm. um we got a call from the strength and conditioning coach at the LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, the yeah, there's LA Clippers, and their star player was this guy Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. who's you know I don't know anything about NBA, but he's pretty famous dude. He's got highlight reels, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he had his own strength conditioning guy mm-hmm. that worked for him in addition to sort of the, the the team group, and he was interested in Russwise for career longevity. Oh yeah, and it was like that's an economic decision, right? Totally, there. <laughs> yes. and it was like it was like suddenly I was yes. like, wait a second, we should be pitching this to the, all these sort of aging professional yeah, athletes yeah. Yeah. and selling it to them for thousands of dollars a year, telling them it's going to extend yeah. their career. Because at that point, it's a pretty, it's a, you know, thousands a year is a low investment. I mean, it and and this was and this has come up numerous times when we've had professional athletes that come through that we work with, and and for me, it's like, look, I can't help you be better, you know. It, there's no magic here. What we could possibly do with teaching you the stuff that we know is to give you one more year yeah. in the NFL mm-hmm. or give you two more years or whatever. How much, you know, ultimately, do you want to pay attention to this? And because how much is that worth down the road? It's the, the concept of athletic longevity. And, and that for me came from, you know, all the work that I start that I did with the military starting from, you know, the early very early to like 1999 i guess was like okay how do we how do you get these guys to like be able to be here longer yep. or how have some of these guys been here this fucking long like are those the 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 you know the smart yeah. people or the aware people or they just like got the gift you know who knows but to me it's always been um it's never been an idea when i'm training somebody or i'm working on my own self of like look i would like it's always been an athletic longevity idea. And on a micro scale of, look, I want to be able to go for 24 hours nonstop, and that would be athletic longevity, I'd say. But mostly, I want to be able to experience certain things 10 years from now. Yeah. Like, I want to, t- I want to be able to, I want to still be fit enough, healthy enough, et, et cetera, like uninjured enough to use my brain, you know, my, my 20 years from now brain in, to, in, in this sort of set of experiences. And so that has certainly influenced mm. me. I mean, and, and Michael will probably back me up on this. I'm like the most paranoid fucking trainer there is. Like I will never, like I, I, I will, I will sacrifice, you know, a percentage gain, a few percentage points in fitness to not uh, injure someone or fuck them yeah. up mentally or whatever. But I think the athletic longevity thing is a really, it's a, it's a definitely a good angle. However, you know, Maybe some masters athletes are, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, they're they're like, man, I'm already longevityed enough. I'm like, I'm, I'm a I'm a masters a fifty plus whatever, and you know, I, I'm going I need performance I'm going now. Open throttle, yeah, and yeah. This, this is a big mi- problem. This conversation doesn't happen when you know. I would say most popular sports are thriving in, in their youth, like. Basketball NFL is happening in your mid-20s to early 30s. And this conversation doesn't really come up until you're like 
ow, I kind of hurt. So when you're in, inter, in international rugby, it's yeah. part of the culture of the sport. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we heard it over and over. You know, we worked with the Springboks and the Wallabies Runners. and the All Blacks. And then in the Super 15, I think we had six or seven, six or seven of the teams in yeah. the Super 15 league. And, and, and what we heard over and over was for the organization that ran the team, mm-hmm. The older the athlete, the more valuable the athlete was to the team. Sure. And so they were very interested in career longevity. And I think that that percolated all the way down. We worked with a, we worked with a prep school in South Africa. Yeah. That it was already switched on to it. That yeah. was yeah. minting eventual yeah. Springbok players. And, they, and the, these I'm, are high school kids. I don't know, man. You, you, t- you talk about this like it's some kind of surprise. I'm sure the NFL has a program like that. So, we, so <laughs> yeah, they don't at all. And, and, and this is of like... Of course not. I what mean, a bunch of fucking short-sighted, like, profit-mongering motherfuckers. So I'm going to give them a lot of rope here in this comment, okay? okay. So I'll apologize in advance because I actually do agree with you. But we talked with several of the, of the, te- of the, of the teams. We talked with the Patriots and the Broncos <clears> and the Seahawks and one or two other teams, right? And what we heard from every one of them was, we don't need to worry about it. Yeah, we can. Because we have every year a thousand kids who would sell their grandmother to play yeah. NFL football, but, and they are cannon fodder. I mean, and it's and it, it's actually pretty. That that's uh, in two thousand seven because mm. it was the old second space. Um, had a guy uh, who was a defensive back named Drayton Florence who was playing for the Chargers at the time. Came out to the gym to spend a week. Learn what he could from from us, and I was terrified. And we mentioned I mentioned this earlier. I'm oh, I'm going to be found out. I'm like a fraudulent strength and conditioning guy, and this is someone <laughs> from the NFL, and this and that. And and it was it was a super cool week. Um, and but one of the things that fascinated me most about the was the fact he goes, "There's someone trying out to take my job every Tuesday." Hmm. I'm like, what? Wow, and he goes, know. "Oh yeah, yeah, we are. You know, th- th- if." that's how it is like they are the, the you know the, the teams are always tr- testing out new people yeah. and you know whether that was an exaggeration on his part or whatever i'm just like the, the concept of having like of being the aging athlete and having you know youth sort of nipping at your heels and they would knife you in the neck if they could um man i'd be paying attention to strength and conditioning and athletic longevity and recovery and that kind of thing um and and i would you know, so I'll, we'll have a heated agreement about the fact that I do not think they have an athletic longevity no. program because for, they don't. For their marquee players, they absolutely do. Pardon? For the marquee players, yeah. for the franchise players, yeah, they are like extremely concerned or, about yeah, those but guys. Think, but think about the, but, you know, the, 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 the back in the day, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, when the front, that defensive front line, the purple people eaters, um, you know, those guys had like 14, 15 year careers in the NFL. Now it's two and a half. Oh fuck yeah! If it, and, and and yeah, and four I, is long. I, th- I think that the average. Some, I, th- I think I'm, I might be getting numbers wrong, but I think the average career longevity in the NFL is like two and a half years, and that so, includes the guys that are there for fifteen. So cannon right. fodder is an appropriate <laughs> yes. sort of description. Well, that was that was that's the phrase that was told to me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, uh, and that that's a that's a huge oversight because you can't like the the experience you notice in military guys like the experienced guys if you can keep them healthy you'll have a much more successful team yeah because those guys have yeah the, the like you your brain is the part that does all the, like why do they have a wonderlick test if I, if some kind of reactionary and intelligence isn't important to the job i, I want to have the guy that. who's seen it all still be able to do it all yeah yeah that would be like my 
marketing pitch to any sort of I uh, think, uh, military organization. Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> said one. that the NFL won't exist in 10 years. And by those numbers, he's probably correct. Mm. Um, and he was going off basically the controversy and the development of nonviolent appreciation or whatever the yeah. fuck he was talking about. But uh, there is something to be said that um, you can only run through so many, like the cattle call eventually, the culling has already happened and all the young fit bodies are done and, you know, I guess there's always some idiot willing to. I think our society loves gladiators. I oh, think, for sure. I think the NFL football will always exist. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be in a different form, maybe. But sure. you know, the the Springboks did um this a uh, really detailed analysis on the films when when some of their athletes got injured, mm-hmm. and they realized that fatigue in the game played a huge part oh, of injury, sh- and it was stuff like. Like microsecond delays in pivoting their body before they got hit. These really subtle movement analysis. And they realized, hey, we have to prepare our athletes differently for the games because that's how we're going to keep – you guys are laughing. Like, oh, yeah. You already know <laughs> all this, right? To, 100%. Well, I, I if know. you understand fatigue, you understand <laughs> what that yeah. does to yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, it's – The two are inseparable. Like, and they, they – um, we just finished uh, Alec Hunch, Alex Hutchinson. Hutchinson? Hutchinson. His, yeah. Hutchinson. His, his book Endure covered vastly how little we understand about fatigue model and central governing, which would be Noakes' thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we have an idea that it, there's something in charge of this, but the wheels come off so fucking quickly. And that's what, tri- <laughs> that's what, and that's what Restwise was trying to do. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Or is trying to do. The idea is that if you make a handful of incrementally better training decisions over the course of months or years, the result will be superior performance. But in the course of that, you don't actually make that many different decisions. Right. And the and the the fascinating thing there is like, okay, so why who would see this as a useful tool? Well, someone who's got a long got the long play in mind mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody who wants to be successful now. Yeah. And like if there's if if that <laughs> if that cultural culture in rugby is like yeah, the older guys, it's pretty valuable to keep them around mm. because that improves overall the play of the team and the and and the, the ongoing culture of the team and the development. Um, yeah, it's something you would absolutely want to look at. And, and and I just see like oh well, elsewhere, hmm, not a lot of not a lot of chess players on the field. Mm-mm. You know, in 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 that way of of looking ahead and seeing oh, this is going to be valuable. In X, because you know. we're all competitive people, it's very difficult for us to say, "I don't actually care how I perform this year." I've said that, so it was very hard to say. <laughs> well, yeah, good, good for you. I mean, that I puts was, you in a pretty rare group. I, <laughs> most people have hard time not, not performing well at the at the Tuesday night race. It's, it's how I, I no, after I most, tore my quad four weeks out from a competition. I said, "I guess I just don't give a shit anymore." <laughs> yeah. Okay, but it's in, just, injury know, induced awareness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, and that could be injury is, induced intelligence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, so, I mean, all laughter aside, like when we, when we, as we were leading up to the launching Restwise, we interviewed a whole bunch of um, mostly endurance athletes, Olympians and national champions, and a bunch of different sports. And I would say the only consistent thread was that every one of them had driven it into the ditch at some point 
in their athletic career. Yeah. And it was only through doing that that they realized, whoa, I got to do this a little bit differently. Wait, I'm not. Yeah, it's like you got to hit the bottom before you bounce back up. <laughs> yeah, or even yeah. notice that there is a bottom. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I came up pretty hard against that. <laughs> There's another subject here that's really interesting. On top of, of, of recovery in itself, I think is interesting because of how few people actually understand what what we mean by recovery practices or what we mean in considering that recovery is the biggest uh, component to fitness. Like, so, I mean, this this question just came up. Like, I heard Mark on a call, I overheard the question, like, hey, can I ask you a fitness question real quick? Like, you know, regarding doing CrossFit and do all, which is just fucking hilarious to me to listen to Mark <laughs> field a question about CrossFit. But the idea is like, well, can hey, my dude, body that was once, you know, <laughs> I knew something about it once. Well, I'm not saying you don't. I just said like the, the, the how do you take your animosity out of the answers? Yeah. <laughs> the, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm all mature and shit now. That's how I take my animosity out of the answer. <laughs> so there's this idea of like, okay, we, we have to adapt. Right. Fitness is the stress part. Like we, we, you know, however, the antagonist, I would say, like fitness is the antagonism. That's the part where you're doing damage. And I think the majority of people lack that understanding. And then the other who understand that, okay, this is getting me to a place, don't understand that the time in between that and becoming fitter is the recovery portion that is generally non-existent or that it's just correlative to their normal daily schedule and normal meal schedule and normal practices. Um, this is something that I have to explain to very high level athletes mm-hmm. like frequently. It's surprising, isn't it? Uh, totally shocking in most, most circumstances. Like I, I, I was, I honestly, I was surprised. I mean, and, mm-hmm. like I checked the calendar it was 2018 when I heard you <laughs> explaining this to someone recently who like, is a fairly top level performer. <laughs> I'm like, wait, you don't know this. Yeah. yeah. This is, and, and not only do you not know this, this is not integrated knowledge. Yeah. Wow. How how little are you paying attention? Or <laughs> I, I, yes, or, or that would or, be the or more just breaking way. down the system. I mean, so CrossFit's a good example because man, it's really hard to figure out what you can train day in and day out because there is a barrage of energy systems just being lambasted. Yeah. Especially at a high at the highest level, these people are training, you know, two to three times a day realistically for 90 minutes to 120 minutes per session. So you're talking about a professional athlete, which that's not any more than, you know, an endurance athlete, but you're starting to see the volume come up and then the wheels come off because they don't understand how taxed the CNS is, what, what they can actually adapt to. So what, this would be an interesting thing from, from your point, because I see now at the top level, the abuse of recovery, uh, implements, because there's no, because they're missing the intuitive part that, like, was, you know, largely uh, developed by us going down the process of like what recovers what, as opposed to just like I'm going to work real hard and then I'm going to slap an equal amount of idiotic recovery on top of it, which is another problem that I think hmm. we're facing again, albeit at a very tiny. Uh, piece of the pie like it, the the amount of people that are affected by this are usually top level athletes that just haven't learned yet yeah and I, if they don't learn quickly they will lose and, and i was gonna say that maybe maybe the the things that allow you um to reach that top level of mm-hmm. performance in the particular sport we are discussing mm-hmm. right now um precludes intelligent self-awareness you know <laughs> for sure o- for outside sure. of you know, the 11 minute performance window. 
Right. Right. Yeah, like yeah. in the in all that in all that time that's sort of spent otherwise. Um, I'll just in in defense of mm-hmm. you know there are some relatively intelligent people who have a, you know who are involved in it have a, but but that's all based that's all experiential it's all based like when um we were in london and we were mm-hmm. doing the justice league thing and then and brooke and uh harry would come and spend the day in the gym mm-hmm. um and yeah brooke she's gonna she's gonna train three times a day mm-hmm. but she's damn smart about doing the like like these sort sort of guided recovery things like using this you know following along with these web-based videos where they could like tune in and do a a a, you know i don't know recovery wad or whatever the fuck it was but um but it was an interesting thing to see that okay based on her experience and the trajectory that she had had Mm -hmm. she realized like i need to pay attention to this recovery stuff so if i'm training three times a day maybe one of these sessions on this day ought to be more recovery based and just like the fact that she was um tuned into the you know sort of necessity of it uh um well, that puts her in that really tiny, sharp point of the pyramid that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah it does. It, it, it's rare. Yeah. And how I usually try to explain, like the whole lazy, stupid thing, lazy, smart, however you want to mm-hmm. put it. Uh, that thing needs to be taught probably first and foremost because our, our job, well, the shitty thing is that we're talking about recovery um, in a time and age when recovery is not the ill of the population. Like people are... Typically over recovered. Yep. <laughs> yep. I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but they're definitely in that margin where they can go harder. <laughs> so yeah. this seems to be a weird subject on top of that because we're already talking about less than uh, probably twenty five percent of the population. So th- if you want your business model to improve, get come out with <laughs> come out with some some kind of trinket and measuring device and algorithm that, that tells people that they're good to go that they can Always. get off the couch. Get off no, the no, couch. no, no. I was just gonna say <laughs> go just throttle it. Just add, add some kind of fat burning option. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, so, so this whole, this whole thing is 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 interesting to talk about from that standpoint because we really like I don't cover recovery until somebody has proven that they're not lazy and that they've definitely proven that they are very stupid. And I'm like, okay, let's have a conversation about what does what. So this is one of the things, honestly, that I think comes up way too late because once you teach somebody not to be lazy, that has been the answer to fitness. They're like, oh, I just wasn't going hard. And now they've seen quite a few Mm -hmm. gains from going too hard or going frequently or going way too hard. In that sort of three to six month window. So what what would you think about... um, introducing this much earlier and using it as a way to motivate people to go hard by saying, Hey, it is only by doing this really recovery based Mm -hmm. stuff that you can, like, I'm going to let you off the leash. I'll give you the reward of of going super hard. If you can, you know, do your math. So that's totally hypothetical. I do your homework. For behavior stuff that we mess with, I make people earn the right to go hard. Huh. Like, and uh, like and that, that works? Yeah, it does. Like it, it does given, For everybody that comes through the door? I given, guess it's already a pretty select group if they're here. Uh, yeah, there, there's some pre-selection, so that's not really a fair assessment. Selection bias. Yeah, there there <laughs> we definitely I, I mean that that's all like I A, I'm just completely uninterested in, in in messing with anybody who needs 
talking into. Yeah. Like, hey, you, I'm you not going to be your exogenous source of motivation. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to bark at you more or less. I'm going to laugh at your pathetic squeals. <laughs> <laughs> but, but more and interesting. If, if you can survive that, <laughs> then we could work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, but I think you're more interested in training people who need to be talked out of yes. than talked into. Right. So this for us, not a problem. Yeah. Like this, um, specifically like, uh, one of the girls that we're working with who um, needed help in the endurance realm, this would be right up her alley because, you know, we went down the realm of, you know, tap tests and neurological and, and aerobic stuff, but I'm not the only person messing with her. And this becomes, you know, it's an yeah. MMA problem. Yeah, you're sharing coaches. Right. She's sharing. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. So there, and this becomes an MMA problem that was, uh, I think, James uh, Jameson. What's Jameson's last? Uh, whatever. He's a pretty good coach up in NorCal. Um, with this stuff, he's using HRV a lot for recovery yeah. stuff, but he discovered pretty early on, like, oh shit, the boxing guy is doing something different than the jujitsu guy, yeah. and the, you know, ground and pound guy or whatever the wrestling. Okay. Nobody knows anything. And when, whoever they show up to, there is, so one of the big fixes right off the bat is the coaching mentality in the United States is based off of a football one. Like the football tough guy coach, you just need to slug it out. You just need to get through. You know, I don't until, care if you're bleeding through your eyeballs. I right. want you to finish this workout. Until they kill a kid in uh, last summer doing gassers and yeah. in the middle of the summer in full equipment, like just fried his fucking brain and he died. Uh, that kind of stuff happens because the mentality is just, oh, you're weak and you're a pussy and you just need to go hard. Which it, is mostly true which is true yeah that, that's <laughs> however the, that's someone the... every now and then is going to be a human sacrifice <laughs> right. to prove you wrong right exactly. or to prove that like the curve is slightly different than you think it is right and and so deal like uh, there's a couple different sto- like themes going on here a we're combating a complacency problem in 90 percent of the population yes in the other um part of the population we're facing uh, a comprehension problem. <laughs> so if you're not lazy, you're fucking stupid. And if you're not either of those, you have a chance of getting better, but what are you? Like that, And that becomes, okay, I can have a conversation with that person. As long as you're not stupid and you're not lazy, we can have a conversation. And based off of that, then we can do so really good like work. like six clients. I've got, I've got one. I got one client. Okay. But then there's... All, but <laughs> <laughs> Economics, not so much. (laughs) I was going to say, we're all unemployed in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one, that was an overstatement. (laughs) I'm only a consultant. I'm not actually his coach. It's pretty true. Tax revenue-wise, that's what I consider myself. I'm a consultant, not an employee. (laughs) But that, okay, if you're not lazy, then... You're stupid, but if you're not stupid, how'd that go again? I don't, I, I, I don't know because you get but, lost in the paradox of like, okay, there's very few people that work hard enough and are smart enough to even consider this option. Maybe. Unless, I, I, unless what, I think what you're doing is the correct thing is getting coaches on board to start understanding this stuff because by mentioning the, the football coach mentality, that's what needs to change. Like the, the, the structure of what we think fitness and toughness and mental toughness is needs to change. There's no doubt that that, par- that paradigm needs mm-hmm. to shift. Man, I, that, that's a bad word, oh, right? Man, not yet, but it is now. It is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it for sure would have been like 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. I think actually, it's actually, coming back into style. You know, maybe we yeah. kind of like no, give, okay. give, a, give a pass on that one. Yeah. Okay. Paradigm. But if you say should. disrupt, you're out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I'm not going to. God, yeah. I saw, I saw, I got a, I had a pitch the other day from a company that was 
promising slash threatening to <laughs> disrupt motherhood. I was like, I don't think it needs to be disrupted, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> were they I mean, open, were they open carrying? We're gonna disrupt. Yeah, gonna disrupt motherhood. I think the kids have got a handle on that themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think breastfeeding works pretty well. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> disrupt motherhood. What? I, I, I'm just like. What are you talking about? Schedule a C-section? I mean, it is was, that it, you know, on a it specific was, day or what? I was thinking later in, in the term, like in the, I don't know, when the 20th trimester when domestic violence takes hold during somebody's <laughs> football game. or like, That disrupts motherhood. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I think about this a little bit differently than, than perhaps you do, um, which is not in any way to say that I'm, I have a you know, superior perspective on it, but you know, I, I like to draw these little um, sort of silly you don't have equations. To, you don't have to quantify mm. that. In, in this room, yeah. All right. safe zone. Well, Cir- circle of trust. <laughs> okay, circle of trust. <laughs> so the, the equation that I've used is you know, P equals F cubed. Performance equals F times F times F. Mm-hmm. F being fitness times focus times freshness. And I've always defined it as fitness is the inevitable accumulation of incremental physiological adaptations over time when somebody is simply being active. Okay, stop with the canned pitch. <laughs> I haven't done this pitch in probably uh, eight years. But okay. It's just, I, no, it's in no, my I head. I'm just like, this is flowing too fast. This Way is too like, fast. you're not even oh, no. searching I for preface, words, I man. preface it by saying, <laughs> this, is what, this is what I yeah. used to say a lot, so it's definitely <laughs> okay. on the hard drive. Okay. Um, so P equals F cubed. Fitness is the inevitable accumulation of incremental physiological adaptations over time through activity. Okay, I can't That's argue. I can't argue. Fitness. A subset of people who have the capacity to become fit mm. also have the capacity to be focused. And focus is the is the ability to follow a disciplined exercise program over time. Yeah. Damn. So Structured, I, I, I aimed would, at a speci- at, at a particular outcome. At a particular outcome. Yeah. Because to me that's Training as opposed to exercise as God intended. Yes. Um, <laughs> I would probably add into that. And may, maybe you'll correct me if I'm seeing this incorrectly. That P is equal to uh, Q times F cubed, which it would be quality. Because a lot of this stuff gets lost in the... And this is where mathematics will fail. But again, it's cubed, to... right? So if, if the focus mm-hmm. is less than one, or if the freshness is less than one... Then that controls for quality. Then it controls for quality. Mm, okay. Interesting. And then the last one is freshness. And the freshness is basically the discipline to do less than you think you have to leading up to your event. Oh, uh, <laughs> so minimum effective dose is a term that isn't used often enough. It's a great phrase. It's not used often enough in coaching yeah. because we're so, we're so hell-bent on showing people how tough we are. Yes. Like how good our system is, how, how uh, you know, oh, this is going to hurt worse than the last place. Because no one could actually believe that if you leave here like feeling great, that it's working. Yep. But <laughs> that's actually what you want. That's what you want. Yeah, because we want to be yeah. in a state you know, with, with some... Every once in a while, with, that some needs exceptions, to be broken. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Every, some exceptions. Yeah. We want to be in a state, a, a constant state of positive adaptation. Yeah, positive feedback. Loop. And when you're in a state of positive adaptation, you actually feel pretty good. And 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 a positive psychological state. Mm-hmm. And yes, this and all... was one of the big arguments um, at my old place <laughs> <clears throat> when the uh, when the interlopers came um, was that that I up to up, up to a certain point um, or up to that point I had been uh, designing the workouts on the basis that people accelerate out the door. 
Yeah. yeah. Right? That the end of every instead workout. Instead of crawling. Instead of crawling. Instead of, yeah, yeah. Partway through the workout, you can be on your hands and knees. Please puke in the bathroom, not on the gym floor, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you will... Like like the idea is to is was always to accelerate out the door to give on an, even if it had to be on an individual basis something that would create a positive attitude to when they left so they wouldn't second guess the um the the engagement that they had during the meet part of the workout like yeah. like they weren't looking I back and second guessing the effort yeah. I didn't do enough or I didn't and you start looking back and second guessing your performance in a fucking training session, obviously that training session is going to be less effective because you are, I'm, I would say there would be a quantum influence on the physiologic adapt, you know, reaction to, yeah. to, to that if you are questioning it. And then that all that would mean is that the next session, you're going to maybe do overdo it a little bit. And, and that was, um, that was not acceptable for the, for the brand. Hmm. <laughs> Because the brand was based on the fact that Hardcore. you will leave on your hands and knees and you will puke in the parking lot and that's awesome because you're a better person for it. Like, yeah. Well, so the, I stole this from purification Andy Galpin, but, mortification of the flesh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everything needs atonement for some fucking reason. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, what, what? Punish the body to perfect the soul. Like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> like, I'm I'm sorry. I lived you know my life for 20 years based on that phrase, and then after a while, I was like. Do I really need to, you know, like punish myself anymore? <laughs> Dude, original like, sin, of course, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, exactly. Andy Galpin had this saying. I thought wrong. He said acceleration, not velocity. And I thought that was like a perfect, because <laughs> yeah. most people come at every new endeavor full velocity. Like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this, full, re- like, whatever the system is. I'm going to exercise nine times a day. I'm going <laughs> to eat a twig and maybe a two berries if I earn it. And then I'm going to also recover like a motherfucker. But they come oh, I was going to say sleep on a bed of nails because <laughs> yeah. original sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but they or, come like, out so hard. That I happen to have a really well-tailored hair suit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a hair shirt. It's a hair suit. And, and, so and now, we have an idea of coming up with a new standard T-shirt because the old one was very popular, apparently. This one would have been Woven out of on, horse hair. On wool. <laughs> Just print like an itchiest wool. Like, turtleneck. No, New Zealand wool? No, no. I want like, I don't know, fucking Oklahoma, Oklahoma wool. Just like the itchiest With the shit thorns pot. like yeah. still in it. Some Eastern European country that has sheep that still condones torture. Yeah, exactly. That's the shirt that you want. But so, so when you were talking about like the, a finely tailored hair suit. Now, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious. Did, was it tailored to be more irritating? Or less irritating, <laughs> and just look like a hair suit. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, had in my mind like going to you know Bond Street in London and like nice. having the, having the tailors like making me a horse hair suit. I don't know. It was just, it was just like came to you when Saddle. you guys were talking about no, no, no. Pure it, because isn't that what the knights? Out. Isn't no, that I, what the knights templar did? Right, like as they went to. Yeah. Um, you know the Ghana yeah. Crusades. They would wear a they would wear a shirt made of woven horsehair underneath their armor because yeah. it purified their soul. Yeah, constant suffering. Like, Savile Row, just looking for a liner. Of totally. <laughs> I don't want the silk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think they must be. No, no, no. They're at the end of the street and turn left. <laughs> yeah, they're not actually on the row. <laughs> they're they're yeah. in an alley. I can just imagine you walking into Tom Sweeney and requesting such a thing. You'd be so proud. So they my, probably my dad's English too. 
and he took me to his tailor because he had a tailor when he was at Cambridge. And um, he took me to his tailor when I was a little boy. And we walk up the stairs, this tiny little place. It's it's on Savile Row. And the guy turns around and says, huh, Dr. Wesley White. It appears as if you gained a little bit of weight. I don't think he'd seen him for 20 years. Wow. And you, that, like that's what I think that's, that's what you pay for yeah. Yeah. when you go to a place like that to have your suits made. I think that's yeah. like what you're getting. So yeah, hair oh, shirt, sure. dude, yeah. rack, like rack it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that needs to be the next t-shirt we release I, is, a, is yeah. a, a wool, at least some wool turtleneck just to be like, you can't work out in this. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> sleeveless <laughs> turtleneck. The challenge is <laughs> sleeveless turtleneck uh-huh. made out of wool. You have to get it by... Well, you get to keep it by rowing a half marathon in it. In it. In, in it. <laughs> Otherwise, we rowing. repo row, it. Yeah, like a row, just a C2 row. Because I'm just marathon, thinking about upper body miles. movement moving oh, that. Oh, yeah. That, just the chafing. chafing. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be purified for months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, some form of stigmata will, will come out of that. <laughs> you start bleeding out of different spots in your body. <laughs> so... We, I, I really want to get in because you're an, an entirely econo- new meaning for the sect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sorry, know about sorry. new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, okay. it, it, uh, familiar of it's, some sort. Yeah, it's sorry. all sorry based on these religious references, which may or may not be uh, true. They're useful though. No, it doesn't yeah. matter, much less yeah. offensive to yeah. some. And yes. if it's exactly <laughs> if it's useful, it doesn't matter if it's true. <laughs> So as a, as a total side, but this is related yeah. and only for entertainment perspective is it is it is it youth bringing up but but I'm I was I I resigned but I was on this little um, advisor group that was helping the Vatican Bank Whoa. reap so going going to the Vatican pretty trippy yeah um, the first time I went was uh, November early November two years ago and um, show up at the Vatican and you know, you, you go through the security which is manned by Swiss do, guards. Do they hire non-believers or are you a well, cracker, so, they, who, so when they invite, when they invited me, my first response was, you guys know I'm lapsed Catholic, right? Like, is this like going to work? And they're like, totally fine. No worries. All right. All right. Cool. The Jews handle our money all the time. <laughs> so, 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 uh, um, yeah, I'm there, and uh, and we're staying in the Hotel St. Marta, which is in the grounds of the mm-hmm. Vatican Garden, and it's where the Pope actually lives now because he figures oh. the papal quarters are too fancy for him. And so, you know, it's it's it's, it's kind of a mind-blowing experience, but I'm going for a walk the first evening, and I'm up on this hillside up sort of behind St. Peter's, and this dude steps out from the shadows, and it's a full-on paramilitary Swiss guard. He's in black. He's got, you know, the machine gun on the sling. G36, I think. Whatever they're wearing. I don't know what kind of <laughs> weapons they're using. Whatever the Swiss guys yeah, use. Um, and he stops me and he says, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, I'm, I'm clearly not clergy. Um, and, uh, and I said, well, I'm here for this, this deal. And he's like, all right, cool. You've got clearance. Yeah, cool. I'm staying there. And, we're talking. and, and I said, it seems like security's really tight. Is it, is it always this tight? He says, he said, yeah, actually, this, this pope has received more death threats than... Um, the previous two popes combined. I'm like, really? He says, yeah, and you know, and we think most of them are coming from within the church. So you talk about like disruption oh. and like offense to the church and stuff. It's like hair shirt, man, go for it. But yeah. like the, it's a, it's a weird environment. Yeah. Man. We found an upside down cross painted on the inside of the wall in here. And uh, we thought maybe there was some metal bands that might be just, dist- <laughs> I would have to push that. If I visited, I would have to push some kind of, 
boundary that um, would make everybody so so they so they invited us to um to a mass that cardinal turkson was officiating in saint peter's crypt which was pretty badass <laughs> yeah you really, gotta right? go with that. Yeah, yeah right so yeah. Dang, we're in the basement of saint peter's and and there's like 25 of us maybe in this group and the dude sitting next to me i've subsequently become kind of friends with him he's a proxy muslim right and so cardinal turkson's up there with the host and he's doing his gig and and he asks people if they want to participate in communion. And I just had this instantaneous crisis of conscience because I walked away from the Catholic Church because my mother asked a rather provocative question when I was young. Do you believe that the Word of God can only be interpreted by a celibate white man? And I was like, well, no. She says, then we're not going to go to church anymore. I was like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there. Uh, yeah. So Wait, I, what age was this? I was probably 12. She's cool. I'm yeah. throwing the horns <laughs> <Mom is> cool. <laughs> right now. She's Mom such, was, yeah. She, she ended up getting her master's degree in transpersonal psychology from Naropa in Boulder. That's, oh, nice. So she went from like full on practicing Catholic to nice. full on. Yeah, it was good. Crystal and. So uh, I'm sitting there yeah. and, you know, it's like the guy, the Cardinal Turkson is up there and he's got the wafer and, and there's St. Peter's sarcophagus right behind him. And, um, and I'm like, I got, I got to do this. I got to step up. I, I, I got to But I can't. Like, so I choose not to. But Ibrahim, he gets up, <laughs> and he gets in line, and he takes the host, and he comes and sits back down, and I'm sitting there. And I lean over him. I says, you know, you just did, right? And he's like, no, what? He says, you just ate Jesus. <laughs> he's like, what? I said, what? I said, uh, transubstantiation, dude. Like, tra- you just, you, that was it right there. <laughs> you just watched it. <laughs> and he was, he accidentally, went, boom. He accidentally became a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish two, I'd said that. Two that trips to Mecca better. for him. <laughs> oh, God. He, it makes more clear how the Donner Party happened. I mean, really. Yeah. It's yeah. High, weird circumstances, no, lots no, no. of pressure. I, I ate Jeff. <laughs> not, not Jesus. Is not Jesus. <laughs> Jeff, yeah. That, that see, is, I'm cool. I'm, I'm good. You know, see, I'm not, I, I, I would have to partake, too. And I am completely against all that stuff. But I am totally into experience. I, and, and, yeah. and ritual for and, me. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, what is... Like, I know I'm not going to get suddenly converted or whatever. I mean, like, how can you go from, like, non-practicing Unitarian to, you know? (laughs) And that was Ibrahim's whole point. It was like, when in Rome, right? Um, Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Boom! (laughs) He said, hey, it's, it's, it's a highly ritualized... Yeah. Part of Catholic Church, and I, yeah. I feel like I should yeah. participate. For me, it was just Especially an I'm unwillingness s- to accept hypocrisy. Like, I yeah, just yeah, couldn't yeah, do yeah, it okay. for myself. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I, I, I would probably have that same hesitation of like. Oh, hypocrisy. I mean, <laughs> no. come on. <laughs> bravo for life's small hypocrisies. <laughs> just step up I, and I, eat it, dude. I, 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 didn't, I don't want to say bravo. I just <laughs> want to say, you know, I mean, especially, I, I, I'd have to like echo your thing like when in rome i mean come on because it doesn't i think it would have been more interesting if you had personally but i called my mom afterward i was like uh hey mom guess what and she said you know i think that was your test of faith and i think you passed (laughs) i was like (laughs) test of unfaith mom (laughs) pagan (laughs) for life yeah yeah. i'm a pagan only by the 
clothes are cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as the uniform changes, man, I'm out. Yeah. I'll take <laughs> yeah. a different team. Yeah. Whoever has the best colors, I'm, I'm in. No, whoever has the best, the, the, the best tailored leather pants. <laughs> you know, that's and where horse I'm, hair. And, 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 and a horse hair vest <laughs> with an exposed chest. Well, yeah. Just, that would be cool. Yeah. A suit made out of goat hair with a Baphomet <laughs> symbol on it would be. And then wear that to the Vatican. Yeah. That's something I could get into. We have new goals. Suddenly, I'm shifting. I'm like, I need to make it to the Vatican, and I need to wear a goat hair suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then see if you can epic. get one of them to like bless your little Baphomet, yeah. you know, like statue that I, you carry with you in all places. The, the closest thing I could come to that is we. I was doing this consulting thing for this uh, company that uh, sells supplements, uh-huh. and they wanted me to speak. And they went to this little town in Missouri to speak to a bunch of people about the supplement thing. And I didn't know that it was going to be in a church. And it was, and I, I was like, oh, weird. Like, that's a weird place to meet. Multi level marketing yeah, at its a, finest. Yeah, that's, a, that's MLM by definition. Um, so I, I got up and I didn't notice that I had a. I had a fucking hat on with a pentagram on it that said, fucking believe in yourself. <laughs> you forgot that. I forgot that I had it on. So nice. I'm in a church speaking to all these like Midwest, like good, good old country folk. No one says a fucking word to me. No, they're too polite. No, but they, I, they kept looking up at me and then like squinting. And I was just like, well, yeah, I have a hat on. Should I take my hat off? And I didn't. I didn't grasp like, and then after they were reading it, and they didn't, they didn't understand that it was straight up Levine Satanism, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." I was like, "Were they accepting of me because they had no choice, or because I wasn't immediately struck by lightning upon walking into the church?" It's like, uh, would that be like? That's great. In in my head, is that is that a test? Like, I can come in there, huh. be a you know the center of all sinners and then walk out unscathed and then they also end up buying a bunch of products from the company i work for well if they did then you, you you clearly passed that particular test they're not the smartest bunch just in general and this is really fucked up this is so fucked up because i sat in on a lot of the meetings that this mlm company did and i was just you know taking a paycheck trying to keep my integrity cool this is like one of those yeah. like well this is a really easy job kind of deal but um at what cost? At what cost is yeah. So, but the learning that happened from being in the room while they talked about the business model, they launched this fucking multi multi million dollar MLM company in the Midwest specifically because people are too stupid to know that it what an MLM is, hmm. and so they grow it in these small towns. Like one of the, uh, I think it's. Skokie, Skokie or something. I can't. Uh, I can't remember the small town in in uh, Missouri. Um, but they had out of like a population of thirty thousand. I think nine thousand of them were selling this shit to each other. Yeah, just to each other. And th- and then so it like that was the first town they saturated that, and then it branched from there. And then they grew. They made seventy four million dollars like their first year of business because they started in the Midwest. And I'm like. First of all, that's fascinating. The second part of this, which can actually kind of branch us into the next topic that I kind of want to talk to you about is is the behavior. Mm. So all of the most prominent guys part of this company would change their accent on every town that they went to. The deeper south it went, the more like hoaxy-poaxy southern boy it got. Like the good old charm came on, and it was just like, 
people do not want facts. They they want feeling. They want an emotion. They want a sense that they think they know what's going on. Hmm. And, and this has, like you mentioned something about behavioral. Your background is in economics. No. Um, that's what I sort of do oh, okay. kind of professionally. But no, my background is straight up liberal arts guy. Okay. Creative yeah. writing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like economics. Yeah, it's really similar. <laughs> no, in fact, I took um, I took a, a macro and then a micro in college. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the micro, I was like, these charts make no sense to me. Like oh. you're presuming inelasticity on all these curves. Mm-hmm. And that's simply not the real world. And the teacher was like, no, you're right. But this is how we teach it. And I was like, well, then I'm not going to keep taking this class because it's not helping me understand anything. And I quit. Is, it, is this the all lines are curves, but not all curves are lines kind of deal? <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it was, it was, he was just, it was, you know, price demand inelasticity and trying to predict future behavior around. Oh, oh okay. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. but you can't predict that. Out no, of- uh, that's the, uh, what is You the- can't predict demand. Well, yeah, it was, it was the notion that these lines were fixed that just pissed me off. Okay. Like there was no room for flexibility in the model and they were using the models to predict behavior, which is. Really where we get to around behavioral economics. And this becomes like a statistician nightmare when they start to say, because from A to B, so therefore from B to C. Yeah. Right? Like that becomes the biggest mistake. And this is what we, what I nicknamed a long time ago before I even knew about this was optimistic extrapolation. (laughs) So like, well, from minute one on the Aerodyne, I held this power, therefore... I could hold it for this. And then this runs into uh, th- this book that I'm going through right now that is pretty damn good. It's uh, The Mathematical Power of Thinking or whatever. Uh, super interesting guy who wrote it. And he wrote it in a not a math jargon sense. Like he refuses to do any equations. And he talks about it more from the philosophical thing. And I got a bunch of these um, things that I think are really good rules for fitness-based and nutrition-based, and they might even be recovery-based training tools that just show how you can support this thing. And one of the examples he gives uh, of what that is, that that extrapolation is like this big article came out and it says like, everybody will be obese by 2048. And you're like, no, yeah. like that, that's not right. <laughs> well, according to the day, de- if we're growing at this rate, then yes. And then he show, you know, he'll go on to show that, but black males actually are becoming uh, obese less um, than their counterparts. And so therefore all uh, black male uh, will be obese by like 2068. He's like, how is it possible that everybody is obese by 2048, but all black men yeah. won't be obese by 2068. You just show a contradiction, yeah. which is an interesting thing to look at. Like a lot of these extrapolations that we find, like uh, they do it in preseason baseball. They do it in everything, in sports specifically, where they're like, oh, this person hit 20 home runs in the first like couple games. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's going to break the record by April. Yeah. And they're like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. No. And this is where economics is like, it's really hard to, well, statistics is really hard to apply to anything, I think. Uh, where humans are involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's really hard. Math is hard to apply to anything behavioral. Yeah, and I think part of the reason it's hard to um, apply it is that we are pattern recognition-seeking mechanisms. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we do as humans. And when we were, you know, roaming the jungles, that pattern, pattern recognition um, profile worked really well. You know, it was like, huh. Rock got eaten by Sabertooth last time, you know. And it's like, okay, next time run from Sabertooth. Hey, that's a really good pattern to recognize. Yeah. Um, but now it just it doesn't it doesn't really work for us. And so your point about the baseball stats is spot on. I mean, just because somebody has hit twenty over the course of two months doesn't mean he's going to hit 
80 mm-hmm. over the course of eight months. Um, I remember similarly, I was when I was at Smith Barney pretty early on in my investing career, um, the analyst on Cisco Systems was like so excited. This was like 96 or 97 and Cisco was just going through the roof, right? And he said, well, we project that this growth rate will continue for the next 10 years. We will have our own planet. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's not far off because that struck me as an odd thing to say that they continue this unbelievably torrent growth rate basically in perpetuity. And so I did a calculation on how fast they were hiring people. And it was like by a certain year, Everybody in the planet will work for Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent him an email, actually before email. I sent him like his internal thing. And I was like, so I'm just curious, like, did you do the a... math on this? Yeah. And he sent back, and he, he was like, no, I hadn't, but that's obviously not going to happen. But and we just, he just brushed it off. But, you know, that was my first real window into the psychosis around yeah, yeah. projecting the That future. would be the, like, all lines curve eventually. Right, like the uh, regression to the mean yes. or whatever they want to call it. That's interesting. We're back. We circled. I know. I was I was going to say, except for the flat earthers, and that would have just taken the circle right out of it. Because <laughs> if you're a flat earther, nothing there curves. There is no, right? there there is is no, no curve. Sorry. Like, you can turn, but you can't curve. I don't know. Fuck. I, I just think that's that 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 level of optimism of, you know, yeah, we're rocking it right now. We're so good that it... That it um, and the idea that it will absolutely continue, and and I think that takes us fairly. I mean, it's a specific temperament for one thing, but but I also but I see that sort of applying, um, especially early on with fitness gains made totally. by people who who who, yeah. who have have a relatively you know uh, virgin exposure to you know exercise at at, oh. at at intensity or any kind of sport well, or something, put- and you're just like. Yeah, yeah, of course you're gonna fucking be better. It, you know, get, experience this incredible rapid progression, positive feedback, almost to the mm. um, extent of you know, like, uh, like sexual titillation or I, something. So like, I was gonna say erotic. It, it, um, it's an almost erotic positive feedback yeah. from like watching your numbers go up and and, and feeling. I'm you, glad you said that because I was like, I can't. I, say I, that. I can't say this. I'm just like, <laughs> Yeah, t- and I don't even that wasn't even close to the gutter so I'm not guilty this time of taking us to the gutter but <laughs> but 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 all of that that positive feedback from watching the numbers improve mm-hmm. to, to having the, the the social kind of influence of you become you know doing these things and and po- and, and, and and uh um be- becoming a, a different physical specimen in a yeah. way and that's going to happen for a while and you're going to get so fucking high on that mm-hmm. that you well you certainly want it to go on because who doesn't like getting their ego stroked or whatever you know that 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 feedback is um and you almost ex- and and you get I, I think there's a certain point that's not too deep into the trajectory where you think it can go on like, because you have these models, you have these people that you idealize and you recognize even, uh, you know, subconsciously that, you know, uh, that uh, the, the hierarchical difference in performance and, you know, appearance and, you know, whatever other parameters you're using to judge yourself, uh, you know, that the, the difference between yourself and them. And, and you think like, okay, that is that progression that I will take. It's like, yeah, I don't want it to take 10 years, but I, I, I recognize this difference in performance. And 
So I, de- I, I, and I keep expecting like, okay, the harder I work, you know, it doesn't even have to be based on harder work, but you just expect that feedback and those performance gains to continue at, at for, for a certain point. And we all see it. Yeah. But I, I put a hundred pounds on my deadlift in six months, so I should have a thousand pound deadlift in five years. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's an almost, absolutely. it but, is an almost but, metaphysical seduction though. Yeah. yeah. It is so seductive. The lure wow. of where you think you might be. It's yes, expectations yeah. are motherfucker in almost everything that you do. And, and ma- like, I think managing uh, because we use these tools to our advantage. Like, if we know um, somebody will behave differently if we give them a carrot or a stick or mm-hmm. a combination of the the two, um, then of course we're going to use that as a tool. Like, in order to modify human behavior, sometimes you have to fuck with them a little bit. Like, you we use this for our model in general for people becoming members here at the sect and we took a lot of it from behavioral scientists like one of the biggest Hmm. ones um you know there was this uh uh, god i can't remember the where the the paper came out of but it was fascinating that people will stick to something um if it benefit or if if them not doing it benefits something that they hate so the, the their test became like you know hey um you put up a thousand dollars and say you're going to make a goal, whether it's like a physical goal, losing weight, or a performance goal, doing X amount of bike rides. Uh, if you if you don't do what you said, that thousand dollars goes to a charity that the you charity don't like. Yeah, like, not of your choice. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. like or one that you were specifically against. So like I don't know, Nazi Association of America or whatever. Right. And most people react better than that than to be like hey we'll give you a thousand dollars in the end like to do the thing yeah Yeah. spite works better than profit almost every single time so we use that in in, this sounds really fucked up but we use spite all the time like i will pair people together i will make them like i will compare them to people that they dislike because it'll make them push harder it'll make them do more and this whole the the idea of like the the the, like putting the money into escrow (laughs) and by way of performance performance and dedication you slowly earn it back mm-hmm. like give it give it to us now i mean show me how committed you are and i'm going to tell you at the end whether you get your three grand back or not mm-hmm. like but you are working to sort of get it back i mean this was another that one didn't that our, our initial experiment didn't work out as well as mm-hmm. we had it's the one that just designed as the one that just worked which yeah. which worked really well we had a guy came in we didn't really want to train him like this is but the opportunity prevented itself for us to be clever. <laughs> Pre- presented because itself. there's no downside. Yeah. yeah, because you don't really want to work with them anyway. No, because if it fails, I'm not out anything other than an idea just be evaporated. So uh, we put an escrow account together. The objective was he three months he could hit an objective, and there'd be some side uh, of test. And um, along the way, if he quit, we kick him out, take the money. If at some point we decide um, that we just don't like him there or he doesn't want to be there, we pay for our time. We give him the rest. If he does make it and we want him to continue here, we put that money towards a membership. So some some leveraging. And what happened, why I think it works really well is because we took the direct um, payment to uh, like the the whole transactional property uh-huh. away and we just triangulated it. Therefore, you take money out of the equation Wait, I can't in order just to get... pay like 50 bucks a month and right. you automatically take it out of my account and I never really notice that you know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. that just doesn't give me the right to like be here and... So the side like, effect behaviorally... Talk with you or train <laughs> yeah, just sit or... and pay me. The, <laughs> the side effect works on both sides. I didn't notice this until the longest time 
um, when me and Mark were working for production companies, not for the actors. And I was like, that triangulation, that's leverage. That person can't directly fire us. They're, they're not in control of the situation. And they, they can't control us monetarily by being like, well, I don't want to pay you anymore. Which is one of the reasons why. Well, not that how, reason. did that, how did that modify your behavior relative to the talent? Oh, there, So when we work on direct or direct, I, my first thought, it has to be, is like, man, if I kick this person out, I'm going to have to find someone to replace them. Like, I'm out money. I'm I, I like... Whether I like somebody or not, I'm like, man, can I put up with them because they're helping pay this? Or yeah, I get that. And, and what is the price for my? In, I'm just, I'll just say integrity. Sure. You know, in a way of like, I don't sure. like them, but I'm going to do this because I mean, the last, and I'll just say it. You know, I, I, the last movie job I did. Um, you know, I went two weeks to set up the gym for the Aquaman movie. And then I went back and I was there for six and I realized partway through, I'm like, I'm just here for the paycheck. I do not care about this anymore. This does not make me feel good. I do not want to live my life like this. I'm gone. You do not Despite want to live your the life fact as that there's a Hollywood trainer, as a Hollywood trainer away from home, I'm not learning anything here anymore. Necessarily. The money is not worth it. And what if I it could, had been somebody could, you really liked, what if it had been uh, an actor it, that you really enjoyed it working was. with? It yeah, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. I mean, it, it, it and 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 that's the deal because I had. I mean, I spent nine months with Jason Momoa on the Justice League job, and we get along great. I mean, we, we share the sort of climbing heritage. Which we, superhero is he? Um, he plays Aquaman, but no, in the Justice League, so, he is Aquaman yeah, yeah. in Justice oh, League. Yeah, sorry, I never saw that movie. Yeah, neither I did I. I didn't realize it was. <laughs> I didn't realize it was an Aquaman I, in that movie. Yeah, I, I mean, was, I just so playing for free on the plane last night. I also did not watch it. Yeah, so. but you'd already. You'd, you'd, yeah, I'm and, until they release, you know, Zack Snyder's cut. I'm not going. Okay. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> Horns it, to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I I realize and so Jason and I get along really well and we have a great and, and friendly. You know, I mean, I've spent time at his home and attended his wedding. I mean, you know, we're, you know we yeah, cool. we, are, we are close, and but I realized like I, I I I can't. It's not enough for me to be here and be your friend and to get paid for it. It's just it's like I'm only doing it for the money right now because mm-hmm. we have, in terms of a, I'll say coach athlete relationship in a way we've done the hardest thing we're ever going to fucking do mm-hmm. um, already. Like we went through that and now we're repeating ourselves. And the last thing I want to do in my life certainly is that after a certain point, when I finish something, I'm done and I'm not going to repeat myself. And it, you know, to my economic detriment, like if you think about mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I would love to be a Hollywood trainer. I get fucking paid all this money and this and that, and it'd be totally awesome. And I'd get all this kudos and, and you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not fucking worth it. Hmm. It just, it's like, okay, I look at the job. If it's not, I find this really interesting. (laughs) Is it, is it, is it that job or is it the notion of repetition that you find unacceptable or I, um, it, well, 
I don't think it was that particular job on that particular, you know, like, okay, this, it's not yeah, that sorry, this, not, not, not working yeah. with that guy in that situation, but rather the notion of being a Hollywood trainer. You've sort of done that. Yeah. You've, you've accomplished whatever you needed to accomplish. You've learned what you needed to learn, and therefore you don't want to continue doing that. Continue, because, because, the, because the feedback that I'm getting is, is not a teaching sort of thing. The lessons mm-hmm. that, I can, that I'm able to learn from that, I think I learned on the last two jobs to an, an extraordinary level. I was like, well, okay, I, now I need to take what I learned and apply it. Mm-hmm. Now I need to take those things and maybe communicate that stuff as opposed to like trying to, you know. You, you know, communicate it outside at, of this rarefied, arcane world of Holly, preparing Hollywood actors to look good on screen. But not even necess- not necess- not for an altruistic sort of thing, not sure. in the sense of like, I need to no, now go, I, no, I go forth and communicate or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more like, wow, I, there are other ways okay what i need now or what i need to learn now what i what okay, this is too easy yeah i'm sorry I, i'm pretty good at i'm good at this thing i've done this thing over and over and over again we've been successful for the most part i i'm i'll go with 90% yeah okay of, of, yeah. pardon optimistic extrapolation but no. it, 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 <laughs> okay fine more than 50 percent of the yes. time yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, uh, and, and yeah sure i could refine that and turn it into a system and i could you know uh, uh, uh accumulate other jobs and like put trainers on jobs that i can't personally do and blah 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 i mean there was be a whole business model um uh, you know that, that could come from that if that was what i was interested in yeah. but mostly it's like i can't Okay, who I am right now, I can't learn more here. Mm-hmm. I can learn more elsewhere. I can, I can be, I can be more uncomfortable elsewhere. I, I was sort of waiting for that part, <laughs> and I, I, I say that with a smile, I, right? Because yeah. I, I think that we are those of us who are engaged in this world in a sort of active way. We're sort of constantly in the process of reinventing ourselves, and the question is, I, do we reinvent ourselves as a master? Mm and apply mastery or do we reinvent ourselves as a student and constantly learn and i don't think that one is necessarily better than the other but what i really love about what you're doing is that you are never afraid to chuck everything out and start <laughs> over i mean well, you know you I've, I've learned a little bit about um some of the vision that you've got for what's going on here at the sect and and you know stuff beyond it mm-hmm. and it's utterly fascinating and you, you you're learning at this moment, at a prodigious rate, your learning curve is nearly vertical. That must be an exhilarating place to be, having come from a place where you were the master. Is that is that a fair summary? I I, I mean, I, 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 let's see. The only thing I would disagree with there, I wouldn't have called my... I, 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 okay. had, I had. I would achieved... exchange exhilarating for exhausting, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> no, I, I'd go. I'd, Bewildering, I'd go... unnerving, disorienting. Yeah, pick your adjective. Yeah, I mean, I, I would go exhilarating forward slash exhausting. exhausting. <laughs> but yeah. you know, just because that's me. Oh, I can't choose between these two awesome words. Um, but but and, and I wouldn't say master. I would go like I I I believe I developed a certain mastery in the context of that. Sure. Sort of, you know, That's what I thing. mean. Narrowly applied. You knew exactly what you yeah. were doing, and you didn't feel at that moment that you could you could learn more from the experience. From, so, you, with, so without going into, right. you know, and, and part of it was because, and I maybe you would speak for Michael also, but that we had manipulated the, our work conditions hmm. to be um, fairly specific, to give us, you know, because we're being paid by the studio, to get, you know, in certain jobs, I mean, we kicked people, you know, like we fired people from the gym and we just go to the producers and the director and say, Hey, this is, this is not, 
working this is detrimental we've got 35 versus one the one needs to be a human sacrifice and go and one of my business and, partners says sometimes you got to shoot it, a hostage uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice which is a great phrase to yes. think about motivating those who have survived oh yeah <laughs> uh, uh, yes i'm i am not unfamiliar with <laughs> with with that but but uh, but ultimately like I, I i think i had i had exhausted my student status hmm. you know and you know because I, I i had learned and i had done the things and been you know relatively successful and and and, and for sure you know something um and, and I maintain good relationships with most of the people that we've, you know, that I've trained on those jobs. I know that that uh, at some point in the future, Jason, on, Jason and I will collaborate on some sort of art project. It mm -hmm. will not be that. It will not be, you know, because because all of that relationship with him was, you know, yeah, we got to do this thing now, and you got to be the superhero, and you got to look like this, and you got to sacrifice that in order to do that. But I'll reward you with this, and um. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's just uh, the, the sort of normal course of that particular relationship. But then the, all of the conversations and the sharing that happen outside of that that no one sees, where we, you know, talk about music and the and 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 the visual, um, you know, piece of communication and that sort of thing, uh, it was okay. This just this just points to some other, you know, some other. Uh, I don't want to say higher, you know form of human interaction that um th that will probably happen based on the fact that we've gone through this other thing together mm -hmm. and we totally trust each other mm -hmm. but it also pointed to me like okay if if i think that that is a higher form of interaction that that is a more sort of creative or developmental type of uh, activity then that's what I should be doing. I shouldn't mm -hmm. be doing this. I need to be going to this thing that I think is apart from higher than or more, I'm going to use the band word, mm -hmm. more evolved than um, and where I can potentially go. And now, and, and, the, it, and the funny thing is that the, the shift that happened for me from the day I decided like, I'm not going to do movie jobs anymore. I'm not going to train people anymore my disdain for like <laughs> i look at you know i look at instagram and I'm like super gym 2017 started following you i'm like fuck you i'm never going to post another fitness thing again just be just to spite you <laughs> um referencing you know, your earlier comment spite about spite is like about, powerful uh, about spite is powerful or or just this idea that like i'm done with it folks i just unfollowed I'm, you by the way uh, <laughs> Well, excellent. I, I mean, but, 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 and that's the, the, the thing. Once that the sort of like we talk ourselves into, um, into believing in our participation in these certain things. And then as soon as we have decided not to do them anymore, that whole mm -hmm. that whole sort of self-talk dialogue goes out the window. We're done. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I ran, I renounced this. I'm a lapsed fucking fitness trainer. Wait, what do we say? Lapsed passive aggressive coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and and now I'm just gonna look. I'm I'm, I'm doing something. I I want to do something else. I'm starting to you know sort of recreate my identity in relation to where I want to go rather than to where I am and have been. Mm -hmm. And that um and 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 so that uh, you know sort of compels me to um look at who I was 
um, in, in, in sort of a di- in, in a different light of just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so to, let's see, circle back to the original question, which was, uh, which I can't remember now. Um, but it, but it had to, had to do with, you know, I can be more uncomfortable elsewhere. I can, yeah. I can put myself into a situation where I need to learn or I want to learn or I'm like, eh, back myself up against a wall. I'm not working. Like I am sacrificing income in order to reinvent myself. This is a hard concept for people to, to get when, when you try to put it together with what we know about life, because we only see our future selves as like a 2d model. Right, we we see we're, we're single issue voters. Period. Like we we see one thing and we think that's the answer. We constantly just try to fill in the blank to to the the statement. I will be happy only if, which it usually has to do with money. It usually has to do. Man, it'd be cool if I just had a job that paid me and I could not fucking do anything. It's like, well, then what would you do? Like, what what would you really do if you had the income you wanted? And people answer like, oh, I'd go to the Bahamas and have a fucking a, a mai tai. And you're like. For how long? Fourteen days max. <laughs> like, like uh, but, and that was Jordan or three. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, <laughs> I think Jordan Peterson brought this up. And it was a beautiful assessment of when people think about their retirement. They're like, "Oh, I'm just going to be on a beach somewhere yeah. drinking margaritas." And you're like, "Till when? Yeah. Like two months? Like you'd be fat yeah. as fuck after that, or, yeah. or like whatever the thing is. Like, are you going to become an alcoholic? How's your liver going to hold up to that? Nobody answers these questions, and I think the one thing." That we did. I got. On, I got a backup lined up. <laughs> I got a backup liver. Yeah, and I. I don't, I'm not going to mess around with that margarita shit. I'm just going to do straight vodka. Get to the point. Get get to the beach and get to the state that I apparently am I mean, escaping. You will. <laughs> you will continue to be all about efficiency. <laughs> so <laughs> this comes up because people ask the same thing. Like it, it would seem like a dream job. Like it would seem man, I could just go follow this guy who I'm really good friends with and we get along really well. I could follow him around through his career and make money off every time he makes money. And to be honest, that's kind of what they think at some point too because they're so used to the notion that people want to be groupies, people want to hang in their crew, whatever. They're trying to fill out their crew so they have a lot of people around them. Um, And when when you run across... The bigger the entourage, the more important I am. Right. And when you run across somebody like Bark, or I would say I learned this from him, was just like, no, I'm not going to, like, that's the last thing that I want. And what I noticed from the triangulation of payment was the fact that, man, if I'm not, if I'm not tied to this for another purpose, there's nothing tying me anywhere. And the purpose has to be, I want to go through this transformation with this person because I myself will transform through. I will learn mm-hmm. so much, whether it's positive or negative. Um, that is more valuable than anybody could ever imagine. Like going through an A to B journey with somebody and trying to figure it out, that ultimately was what the pay was. The salary was just a side effect. And so when you just offer the salary, but you're just repeating the same transformative process, now I'm just dealing with a shit bag that can't hold their transformative process. I might as well go work for Hmm. like, you know, just be a volunteer AA meetings and just like redo the process. Oh, you drank last week. Great. Here's another coin or whatever the thing is. People don't want Wait, to change at, their at fucking a, behavior. At AA, you get rewarded for drinking with a coin? Or <laughs> another coin. I don't know <laughs> no, how it works. I, yeah. I obviously am a bad alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the real... I, I, like, I like the idea though because look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you drank last week. I'm going to give you a coin and that coin is 
fucking battery powered and gives you an electric <laughs> shock when I give it to you. Kind of like the joy buzzer, you know, when I shake your that's hand. That's the real behavior people would respond to yeah. is pain. Yeah. And that, I think like, I, I don't, this sounds uh, masochistic, but I think we're addicted to pain in the fact that pain is a very good instructor. <laughs> And and people who don't behave the way that they want to avoid pain at all costs. And people who uh, embrace the fact that they can learn through pain, respect it, and use it as a teacher. And that, and that's the I think the biggest difference I notice in most people that and the ability to project our future as more than a two D model written on a list. Like we, uh, nobody wants to do this, but try to imagine every scenario from every decision you make. We're talking about like multiverse kind of shit. Where you're like, okay, if I turn left here, this is going to happen. If you extrapolate that And then that you become out, utterly paralyzed. 100%. And this is what anxiety is. Utterly paralyzed. Right? So, like, if I'm turning right and I go, man, what if I just took a left here? Oh, there's a car. I'm dead. Okay. Holy shit. There's so many different things that could go mm-hmm. on. So, get rid of that initial layer and try to think, okay, I'm going to do this job for the next 20 fucking years. That means I'm missing, add up the numbers of hours that you're going to be stuck staring at that same screen. That's dealing- a FOMO nightmare if I've ever heard <laughs> okay, one. Okay, but hold on. Plain devil's advocate for a yeah. second. Yeah, please. We, half an hour ago, we were talking specifically about experience, age, seasoning lead to leading to increased value for the organization. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we're, we are um, at risk of dismissing the value of mastery in this conversation and celebrating or fetishizing the process of learning over the accomplishment of mastery. And I think we need to be very careful about that. I think that's if you only if you associate mastery with a specific career or specific activity. And And maybe I'm being really defensive here and I'll totally own that. But you know, I've been a professional investor now for 25 years. Yeah. And I feel like I am just, just really started in the last five years getting really good at it. And I think 10 years ago, if so, I had thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be sitting in this chair for the next 20 years. Oh, how can I do that? But it's like. No, but you, but you were able also to, <clears throat> to satisfy your exploratory desires with um, activities, careers, you know, interests outside of the yes. main focus. Yes. And to take it even one step further within the context of, of the capital markets, like my where I have become, and I'll say this carefully, sort of a recognized global leader is in this idea of harnessing the power of capitalism and the cap- and capital markets to solve some of the great challenges that we all confront, mm-hmm. social and environmental. It's this yes. thing called impact investing. And, you know, 10 years ago, when I first started talking about this, it, it was, didn't exist. Oh my people God, people laughed were, at me. Yeah. It was Vox Clementis in Deserto, totally. <laughs> um, and now... <laughs> I love the fact that you got that one. Yeah, it just t- it took a second. Yeah. Um, Each Latin word. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, like, God. <laughs> and, and, and now, you know, I'm, par- I'm you know, part of this group at the Vatican, helping the Vatican Bank reimagine how they can redeploy their capital to support the mission of the church. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm t- doing a TED Talk on this subject, the evolution of capitalism. And it is enormously gratifying Wait. to recognize that at this point in my life, because I have been a steady practitioner of my craft for a really long time, mm-hmm. I have the authority and the credibility to bring what would heretofore have been considered heretical and to bring that perspective to the capital markets. And at this point, I'm not dismissed. So I, I, I don't think 
I, I think we're only disagreeing on the variable that's involved. Um, in the fact that imagine, like, take your situation on the fact that you've worked with all these different things. Yeah. Right. Pick one. Pick the most profitable one, and just sure. do that most profitable one that you don't have to work or learn anything for the rest of your life. That's yeah. what we're stopping. The, yeah, the yeah, fact, yeah. I, I, what, I get that. <clears throat> what we're not doing is stopping. Yeah, like we're 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 taking the end of a limb and noticing its endpoint and finding something that is more fruitful later. Yeah. Uh, but, I think the fact that we're not stopping thinking, we're continuing what the what the brain we developed on these jobs helped develop, or whatever, vice versa. We're taking that and then going to the next place sure and and i would and actually that, i get that. Yeah. I, I feel that when i hear you guys talk about the vision that you've sketched in mm-hmm. but it's but it's also this idea of like okay you look at me and, and it has a little bit to do with identity which we um talked about earlier before we started recording in a way that that um okay if i if i uh had continued my career in climbing Probably, like, I mean, I'd be, be dead. dead. <laughs> right. So mastery, not so much. Yeah. Right. Like I would. Uh, and Wait, do you honestly, and, and, do you honestly believe that? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, think... it's, that's a, that's just a law of averages. Yeah. There's just like, okay, you have a, and I mean, I, I started out happily with a fairly serious awareness of this because I mean, and now the, 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 the list of dead friends and climbing partners is over 80 at this point in my life. And that's like a serious thing, but I had a very, uh, I was highly sensitive to it in the beginning. And I realized you, that I have a bank account full of luck, mm-hmm. except there's no balance sheet. Mm-hmm. You don't know. I never knew when it would run out. And there's a certain point. I mean, reading, having read enough at some point, you know, just in, being enamored with Japanese philosophy of, of like, oh no, 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 you just, you know, you need to quit at the peak of your career. You need to, you need to quit at the right time. If you will be of, and I added this later, is it if I was to be of use in human terms later, I needed to live. Mm-hmm. I needed to bring the lessons back from the mountains or whatever bullshit, you know, Messiah fuck up shit I thought about myself, but. Um, Hence but, the atonement piece, I it, think. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> that was a cheap shot, wasn't it? I was just going to say, I think the Japanese summed it up best. Don't be like Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be like X Japan. Um, yeah, I, car- I carried around a copy of Gorin No Show for so many uh, years. Yeah. Ex- yeah. So there was another, you know, uh, uh, th- th- there's another beautiful yeah it's a book it's a beautiful book and and you could learn from it as long as you don't like adhere strictly to it yeah um and <laughs> like most things it, it, exactly but so i mean i had to what was going to happen I, my, my, I mean the climbing career like in terms of like oh am i gonna yes the longer i could do this the more masterful i will become however uh, you know at the same time the risks are increasing and and what and and whatever uh i mean i i you know i quit sure you know at at after what i consider to be you know the high point of my career the the end of a particular trajectory that i had had envisioned then with the fitness thing you know yeah i started this (laughs) a fucking stupid thing like yeah (laughs) started a gym and like gave it some punk rock attitude, you know, informed by lessons that I had learned in the mountains and applied and, and, and in a sense, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't say I gamified it as well as, you know, Greg Glassman was able to gamify exercise and turn it into CrossFit. 
but I did give it more meaning by way of applying certain lessons and consequences. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, blah, 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 get down the road. Um, and, and, and if I say like, look, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> oh man, I, I, I see like when you talk about like impactful investing, impact investing, yeah, what, ever, you know, whatever, yeah. something that, that like down the road, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue my development as a guy who helps pretenders pretend better. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't look at that as a, you know, as, as, as a, as, as a, an activity that I should go that, that, that is worth continuing to do in order to master in the sense of, and if I say, yeah, I'm not going to train people anymore. Yeah, that's true in one sense. But, mm -hmm. you know, from the beginning, you know, my whole thing was, um, you know, now it's trademarked probably, but it was actually a Bruce, some a concept that came from Bruce Lee was that, you know, the, 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 the mind was, the mind is primary TM, <laughs> not by me. Um, but, but all, all that said is that the most important muscle to train is the one inside your head mm -hmm. and whether I'm going to, you know, I used climbing for that or whether I used the, you know, the, 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 you know, fitness training for that or whatever, you know, I don't think, uh, stopping that particular, like the career is a, it's a step on the path. That particular career is a step on the path towards mastery of self maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's that and it's just like okay the means was climbing the means was competitive shooting the means was writing shooting pictures training other people getting involved in these situations um you know of of n not just physically training but doing the whole like the, the cold weather high altitude piece and the development of the cold weather clothing system and miniaturizing a whole system of of, uh, of climbing gear for personal rescue for the military and all, all that stuff to me, it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a, by changing the specific, the activity doesn't mean that I'm stepping off this path towards some sort of mastery that could ultimately, that will, I believe, ultimately be useful. Yeah. And the cool thing about this is it, it relieves if I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the first person plural here, um, but it relieves us. It relieves us of the burden of self-accusation of indulgence relative to curiosity, which yes. is such a great way to think about moving through one's life, right? If one is driven by curiosity and the sort of relentless appetite for learning, then you're right. It's never a question of mastery or not mastery. It's a question of the evolution of one's learning. It's it's really cool. I, I mean, I just repeated back to you what you just said to me. So I'm nothing new, but it's really cool. But that's a, uh, that, that's a, like, a, <laughs> thank you for being the devil's advocate in a way, just like, oh, now I've just been confronted in a situation where my explanation kind of matters ab about this path because I haven't actually, you know, thought about or considered putting it into words at that point, I mean, up until this point. Um, but it, but I think and and part of that is this, this the the idea that you know and, and you know we talked about you know how the you know my self image regarding performance affects my honesty vis a vis you know my uh, rest wise interview in <laughs> each morning you know but that yeah. can apply to a lot of other of uh, 
uh, of larger things. And if we, you know, if, if we sort of self-identify as a particular thing, I find that um, unreasonably limiting, but also egotistically necessary mm-hmm. in, in a way. And, and to get, okay, so the, let's take the ego out of it so that we can identify as uh, a, a seeker or, you know, whatever. And I'm going to look at whatever comes my way. Like I had never, I mean, I, I can't say I'd never have the idea of like, we're going to make a, a zine. Let's just put this on the sort of trivial scale. Um, but then when, then when, you know, enough elements came around with the right instigator slash enabler, it was like, okay, this is going to happen. And even though we don't actually have the skills to do this right now, we're going to like, like name the objective, name the deadline. <laughs> and now we have to, now I have to do it forward. and then forward. And I'm going to, and I'm going to engage, I'm going to, you know, basically draft <laughs> Michael into helping. Like you didn't want to do this. You wanted to write a fucking <laughs> fitness book. I'm like, no dude, we're podcasting. We're doing a zine. We're going to do this t-shirt program. We're going to do all this other stuff that will ultimately just give us, you know, far more, uh, I'm just going to say power in a way. Horsepower. Horsepower. Yeah. Um, when it comes to actually, making this book yeah well the, the, so uh, what you identified in in your statement of, of Marx actually was something that was kind of profound Mark sent me this video the other day that kind of changed the way that I had always approached it like we're in a goal setting goal accomplishment a to b kind of and it's all bullshit like that is a complete illusion on how most things are discovered and most things, westerners can't be Buddhists oh yeah yeah right right <laughs> oh totally they're just they, they really can't. They lack this ability. We had a thing in uh, the old Beautiful. Jim Jones philosophy that was objective-based training. And I always thought, like, man, that makes sense because no one ever identifies what they're actually doing. They just go around the room and That's they lift weights. So true. But when you – okay, so – and this is a path. Like, you have to understand what an objective is before you can get rid of the objective. And now we say, like – to the higher extent, we don't do objective-based training. We do discovery-based training. Like, mm-hmm. we're really trying to figure out where, like, we want to be shown something. And th- this... Can I modify that a little bit? Just yeah, say, yeah. we do discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Because I think of, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. ju- I think of training, and this is my own baggage, yeah. I think of training as preparation. Mm-hmm. And preparation, almost by definition, has it, it some imp- kind of objective. It implies an objective, sure. yeah. Yeah, and I used to, I mean, people would... I used to have a lot of people ask me to coach them or provide guidance because they sort of knew I was working with Rebecca and they thought that was that was pretty. Yeah, you probably get to, you actually do get this all the time. Like that's your job, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can always say no because that's not my job. Um, but um, but I always that's what I would always ask them. I was, what are you what are what you training for? I don't know. And, and then, if they say I don't know, then you're just like, well, we have nothing to talk about. We have nothing to talk about. There's this great. Then I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, there's this yeah. great story about um, the marathoner Abibi Bikila. Do you know who that mm-hmm. is? Huh? So he won. Um, I think he won Rome. Yeah, and and he came out of nowhere. He's an Ethiopian, um, so, and he ran Rome yeah. barefoot. I think mm, it was Rome, 1960. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. barefoot. Yeah, yeah. One of them, yeah. and then disappeared yeah. from international competition. Yeah. And he came back four years later, and this time he had shoes, and yeah. he won. And he won again. Yeah. And the journalists afterwards said, "How have you been? How have you been training?" And he said, "I haven't. I have not been training." This is, you know, no way. You know, you're not. It. No. And I, I've not been training. And so they sort of kept probing, and it turned out that um, he he worked in a coffee plantation or something, and he lived at the bottom of the mountain, and his 
plantations up in the mountain. We would <laughs> run to the plantation and then run home every day. Yeah. And, it's just and they were like, it's oh, not... dude, you were training. That's training. He says, that is not training. I was just commuting. commuting. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like... <laughs> he said, that is simply activity as God intended. And I just thought, like, that's so perfect. Yeah. Right? Fuck. It's, so I want to say, like, <laughs> 2004 World Champion ski mountain, in ski mountaineering racing, this guy, Rico Elmer, Swiss kid, um, who grew up, you know, moving the sheep around. Yeah. And so, okay, we take him from the low pasture to the high pasture and then move him from here to here. And, you know, you're like a like 10-year-old kid and you're like yeah. moving the things around. And and like, of, oh, talk about a deep base. Yeah. Like you want to, and, and then, and, you know, ultimately one of his workouts was basically frog hopping up 2,000 vertical feet. Mm-hmm. And I decided, well, it sounds, sounds cool. I'm going to do that. I got to try it destroyed you oh <laughs> no 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 first of all i was like well okay i don't have the background so i'm gonna i i, I need to adapt this i'll accumulate two thousand feet but i'm gonna need to interval this this <laughs> and so ended up and not and i couldn't even, i couldn't even finish that which I, I can uh remember exactly what it was we went to grandeur peak and did it ended up being like six by uh 150 vertical feet per interval only. Whoa. Oh, no, 1,800 feet. Yeah, so it was close. close. Um, oh, but yes. Utter, 900, right? Uh, six by 150. Yes, excuse me. So we ha- yeah, cut it in half right. and then chop some off of that. <laughs> and chopped some off of our egos as well afterwards. But but just that idea that, you know, yeah, the guy's, you know, his his whole thing was, I mean, was a natural sort of training, playful. It was work yeah. as a kid. It was, you know, or, you know, work at, in a way because you're doing something. But, but just the fact that, oh, I don't have to look at it in this utterly structured way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to get, I, I want to go from like, you know, this level of performance where I'm already at 80 or 85% in the top, you know, in, in the, and, and and to get to 90 or 95%, yeah, I'm going to have to add some structured stuff, but it all sits on top of that daily commute to the top of the mountain coffee plantation style thing. Yeah, when you when you take kids and you you set out like, "Hey, try to hey, try to jump across this river." Mm-hmm. They'll try it all day until they can get it, unless one of them gets hurt. But you tell <laughs> you tell somebody, you tell a kid, "Hey, I want you to come in and do 12 by 10 meter jumps or 10 foot jumps or yeah. whatever the thing is." You just turned it into a task, and you just turned it into a job and an uh, like a an arbitrary assignment of work, as opposed to the same thing that's happening under a different banner, where your where your fatigue doesn't show up because it's under the banner of fun. Like you, you rarely notice what you're burning, and I think that gets missed. Especially, and this is why we despise the gym in most contexts, is because it becomes this. These are the rules. This is what you do. We being collectively or we the two we, of you? We as an industry. Okay. We as an industry bring people into the gym. And because we understand science and reps, we say five by three, 80% with 60 seconds rest in between. And what the fuck? Did, I just ruined like, tra- I, I just ruined exercise potential for somebody yeah. that might enjoy the actual act of it. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there's structure that needs to be there. And you have to well understand it in order to accomplish your job as a fitness person. Yeah. But 
you will master it when you can bring somebody in mm. and not make it seem like there is this weird structure and you can mm. give the illusion that this is playing because that playfulness means that it's replicable and that they want to play. They don't want to work. Yeah. I really, really like hearing that. I have a little, I have a, a daughter and, um, and un- unintentionally, like without mm-hmm. intention, I have um, basically modeled that mm-hmm. with her. And I always like being outside. I always like going for it. And so yeah, we'll go for a run to the neighborhood and we'll count dogs or we'll go. And we, she's seven and she's turning eight this month. And we went on a four mile run on the trails. And we talked about God and religion <laughs> and we counted the little shoots that we saw coming out of the, and it was and she did it in 40 minutes you know it's like chatting and laughing the whole time and i'm like that's exactly that's exactly what you're saying and i, I never really sort of thought about it that way but it's really cool so and you can do that here you guys so, can, ju- so oh, just yeah. to, to prove that sort of like falsifiable if you will um next time uh take her out on that four mile run and tell her you got to get this done in less than 40 minutes <laughs> And just kill any you desire. Kill <laughs> you don't even want to go. Future. I'm, I'm, exactly. She'd be like, we're going to get donut instead. Okay. okay. So <laughs> right there, right yeah. there, we have just identified a, you know, one of the problems with sort of fitness and exercise and training is a, 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 in, in two ways. Like, okay, you start to try and quantify it or you force people into these little square things with rules and objectives and mm-hmm. sets of this mm-hmm. and reps of you know, that many reps and blah, blah, blah. And people turn it into drudgery. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't want to do it. Recognizing I don't that some people actually really feed on that. On well, structure. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Some people really do. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Sorry. Let me, let me, um, uh, just let me go down my negative path here. Sorry, man. man. Would you? Just, I was just thinking about our mutual friend, dude. Brian, who's yeah. like, yeah, that guy. Oh, no, he's that. Yeah, he's that guy. But fuck, he's a well-developed that guy. Yeah, he really is. Right. And, for, and it's actually sort of remarkable. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, I, I, but for a lot of people, I can, I, the, the more structure that I put into this, the more of a drudgery it is. Like, you know, because nobody's, nobody's picking up like a fucking fitness magazine and looking for something that, um, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's like, cause they don't think it can be in the, the first place. Exactly. And, yeah. and, 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 and where that comes from, I'm not totally sure, but probably but, the platforms that we worked on where people are like, I train 19 hours a day and I only ate kale and dirt. Yeah. <laughs> I think dust, not dirt. Yeah. 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 I, but I dirt has way too calorically dense. <laughs> dirt is way more. And, and you hydrate too well from dirt where dust is just like dry and it sucks yeah. moisture out of you and you get it's lean a desiccant. that way. Yeah. It's, lean. A desiccant. it's a diuretic. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, it's an a, endogenous desiccant. I hate dust so I can get more. More ripped exactly <laughs> like it just sucks the moisture out of me internally and i take Dude, these there's a, that, i have these bowel movements that are kind of a problem but other than that you know it's awesome it, it was a book that beat the encyclopedia of bodybuilding it was the bible dust to dust yeah. jesus was jacked <laughs> <laughs> oh my god how else do you think you carried that I, cross I, I, <laughs> sorry man the that, ultimate, that's the ultimate I'm, cross training is that what you're saying Oh, oh boom. Oh, yeah. I think there's already been a video made of the CrossFit 
where Jesus is using a cross to get fit. <laughs> to get fit. Yeah. 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 Well, it he that was a short workout. <laughs> um, <laughs> so three days, man. That's it. <laughs> well, no, I just mean getting it, you know, from point A to point B. After oh. he, you know, he just rested after that. I mean, it's just fucking hanging out. <laughs> Compromised rest. Hung out. <laughs> Hung out. <laughs> but so, so this idea. So so when you sort of drudgeify with these rules, the exercise, you get you turn a lot of people away because it's not interesting. But then you have another sort of smaller group who 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 use that and then talk about how fucking hardcore it was yeah, afterwards. Yeah. And you're just like, dude, I ran the exact same route that you ran in the exact same time, but I saw this many dogs, I counted this many shoots, I talked about this and this and this, and it wasn't bad at all. Like, yes. like why did you make it bad if not for social approval? Mm-hmm. And then if you're exercising for an audience, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for what it's worth, the the audience that we anticipated would be our largest target market for Restwise was the age group triathlete. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Zero. Really? Why? Because they defined themselves by how tired they were. Yeah. Oh, and ha- yes. when was the last time you heard a triathlete say, I feel great. Holy shit. They defined themselves by how exhausted they were because their training was so hardcore. And we did not encounter, there were a few exceptions, right? But we did yeah, not yeah. encounter any age group triathlete who said, I want to feel great. Yeah. yeah. But this, and and this is sort of Holy also shit. corresponds to the, um, one of the, one of the guys, uh, sort of subjects that we had talked about before we started recording was the person who self-identified as, you know, you know, being at the top of their game yeah. across, you know, all of life. Yeah. And therefore, despite, you know, feeling abysmal in the morning, they would, you know, answer the question, <clears throat> like, how do you feel general? I feel fucking awesome. Better than normal. Better. Well, at, what do you mean exactly? Well, I mean, I, 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 feel better than I expected. <laughs> yeah. And because I rode my bike 115 miles yesterday and it was super hot and I got really dehydrated and I couldn't sleep that well and I got cramps through the night and that, you know, I, I thought I was going to feel like shit, but I felt like, yeah, I don't know, better than it was really. And so yeah. then, and, and so then that modifies the, the, you know, that thing, but, but, but it just goes to that idea of of how our self image or or our own identity affects the um the the sensitivity with which we can assess our own condition. Yeah. And do you guys know the athlete Sami Inkinen? Hmm. He's a he's a he's a really um he's a fascinating man. He's a he's a very successful entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. He's the founder of Trulia, the oh, website. Okay. You know the real estate website. Um, and he was the age group world champion in Ironman distance triathlon uh, at the same time. Really? Yeah. And he was training on about Ooh. nine hours a week Whoa! when he did this. Okay. So he's also the is guy. half Ironman or full? S- wait. Full. So folks, it is possible to, you know. <laughs> we to, found to, one. To, dude, we, we found, found one. Oh, oh just he, one? Two. There's Shit. a Leadville guy too, but yeah, that was yeah, only yeah. for one season. Yeah. He's way out there. I mean, yeah. so, so Sami no, is, <laughs> he is a, um, He's he's a quantified self guy. Um, he's okay. he's curious in so many ways. But what um, the the reason I brought him up is that he is one of the most intensely self honest people that I've ever <laughs> met. He is utterly unafraid of breaking any kind of tradition, 
so long as it reflects how he is actually feeling. He and he does not bullshit himself ever about how he's feeling. He doesn't define wow. himself by his volume. He's a sort of a living self-experiment, and he has a website where he talks wow. all about this shit. But um, recently, he rode with his girlfriend slash wife. He rode from like California to Hawaii, and set like a a rowing record across that distance. Wow. And it's like. It's incomprehensible, but whatever. I don't know why I brought him up, but it was something about the self-honesty thing that you said. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, honest self-assessment. Is, <laughs> honest self-assessment. Yeah. that that And ruthless honest self-assessment, I think, needs to be. Like, yeah. You, you need to... Uh, the identity thing is really... I mean, we've written about it in every facet that we've ever... Because it really does become a problem. But there is this really cool... Um, I can't remember where I just started, but it was very recently where... Um, we lack this, obviously. Like our culture does not support identity. Um, we we want people to push into groups, and then that group is fine. But culturally, pushing into a group helps you assimilate yourself, and then historically, you could then become an individual. Hmm. And I don't think the individual part happens anymore. So people get caught by the collective identity. I am a triathlete. I am a cyclist. I'm a banker. I'm an investor. I'm yeah. this. I'm that. Mostly, it's your profession. Sometimes it's your. I'm a father. I'm a you know a, a brother. I'm this. No one really knows how to identify themselves. Like hmm. as I am this person trying to do this, or and it doesn't have to be an activity. It is the the seeking, the searching, the the person that can probably balance a hectic uh, business career with a hectic athletic. Uh, career is probably the person that can find a balance in identity or they're just completely lopsided a typical like a yeah. a type personality so it's really interesting to hear that there's like a uh there, there's another guy that reminds me of who you're talking that uh uh naval ravikant <laughs> who uh he's a he owns angellist.com yeah. so he's an investor yeah he's involved in all sorts the, the best thing i i think he tweeted recently was like people will always like list what he's involved with like uber and airbnb and like oh and he's like why don't they list any of the like successful ones that i do <laughs> like all of those are losing money like crazy and he's like it's all he gets credit for but he has That's a very profound like self uh knowledge yeah. he can look himself in the mirror and identify what he's doing wrong in the moment which i think like that to most people is like oh he's a weirdo like he's a one of those guru guys that meditates for 14 hours a day and he doesn't he's just like looking in the mirror thinking about his voice talking over the fact that he's brushing his teeth and like that that simplicity applies to so many other things of being huh. in the moment and doing one thing at a time and it takes an awful lot of uh actualized self to realize how fucked up we make every moment most hmm. people it, it, like i'm driving and i'm thinking about this i'm I'm doing this and I'm, I'm thinking complicating about the, other thing. the task of driving. Right. By thinking ahead and thinking beforehand, worrying about beforehand, anxiety about the future. And I think there is something that athletes when they can come by the by way of virtue or whatever assessment they make of it when when they can come into a true identity themselves and ditch all the abstract, all the costuming, all that other stuff, whether it's athletes or business people, people who are 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 accomplishing anything when they ditch that identity i think that like that loss of self when they kill the ego whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it that that's when you see somebody like i you could call it whatever state you want but that's that's universally profound for most people i think hmm. i was wondering about that phrase kill the ego because 
who's killing the ego and who is that who is thus triumphant exactly <laughs> yeah Ex- not well exactly i mean it comes maybe circle back to the yeah. you know punish the body to you know perfect the soul I'm like well my ego what did it do wrong well it fucking <laughs> it fucking allowed me to imagine incredible you know great things in the mountains and believe in myself enough to go actually try them and then do them and then later i come down and i'm like all these people are talking to me about like fucking reducing the level of my ego because it makes them uncomfortable i'm like well don't be such a fuck up <laughs> like if your ego was like was benefiting you in some way you wouldn't be saying that shit but right now you know you can't do all the stuff that you, you know you should identify you're, you're, that there is a huge difference in what you described and what i what i consider ego I would consider ego the thing that stops the person from doing it because they already think that they can. And that or to me is the, Or ego. even better than, <laughs> like, I, I know I can do it, so why would I bother doing yeah, it? Exactly. And I, I mean, you know, like accept the consequences of failure. Yeah, but, there, but there's all kinds of, like, that, that bullshit stuff around ego, and we, like, joke yeah, about yeah. it and this and that, but there is, and for me, it goes, it has always come back to, I mean, in the last sort of decade, let's say, of, like, the good part of ego and the bad part. Yeah. You know, the, the, or the good kind of, and there's the one that allows one, you know, that, that, that compels you to imagine a higher level of performance from yourself and then actually executing it. And then there's the sort of prideful, you know, th- that ego that, that is possessive and jealous and, and doesn't want other people to fulfill their potential so that you, you know, your ego is not threatened in some way when you get put into that comparative situation with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like the confidence and capability, good. Um, <laughs> incorrect approximation, bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the in the lightest terms, which, which is I, I this like I had to recently kind of deal with with the the playful structure that we're talking about because it um very early on math was ruined for me so i wrote it off like i didn't Mm -hmm. ever touch it i just assigned myself as not a math person um and then when i decided i had to learn it again i kind of had to suck up man this is going to be painful it's going to hurt really bad like i'm not going to want to do the work i'm not going to want to write these stupid fucking things and figure things out and i'm talking the base level like i had to go back and make sure that I understood long division. Like, I mean, the most basic elements of math. I, and thankfully, like, I remembered a lot of it. Some of it was like, ooh, fuck, I got that wrong. But filling in the blanks and something What's really... What's that quadratic equation again? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to fucking remember that. Um, something that was really beneficial was that um, somebody mentioned that math does not have to be sets of rules, that it could be sets of concepts. Like you, you could conceptually understand math and do just fine. Mm-hmm. And and then you could extrapolate those useful things. And nobody wants to do mathematics, much like the same. Nobody wants to fucking work out. Like nobody really wants to come and train really hard. That's not something a lot of people are into. Uh, we are. So we're kind of weird. So this makes sense, too, that I would pick this stupid fucking hobby up. Um <laughs> But then somebody just explained the idea of abstraction and variables and approximation. And like, cool, if you understand those concepts, you understand math. Because you don't have to have a a very precise answer to anything. You have to understand the concept behind getting a precise answer. And I think that's relatable to almost every subject that you take up. You have to really understand the concepts. You have to do hard work. Like you, you have to do the... You got to know what does what. Right. You got to do what we call the, the, the grunt work, right? You got to add and subtract and multiply and divide and understand exponents and all this other and, and roots. But 
at the tip of it, you're really just coming up with like logical argument for something. You're, you're trying to understand beyond our intuition. And this is where we get into like, if we we're going to describe what we do, um, the last thing that I would identify on is a trainer. Yeah. Right. Like I, I wouldn't call myself a coach. I wouldn't call myself a physical trainer, a fitness person. I really think that like at the bottom of it, we're really trying to understand human behavior. Yeah. Like in playing with that at a level that involves exercise. Yeah. Um, I mean, using that means in a way, but, but I think that what, um, just came out there is that, you know, it's always been conceptual. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to try and teach seminars, we're like, mm-hmm. Oh, but I need to, I need a chart. I need a thing. I need something. I'm like, no, 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 you don't. If you have a, a, you know, a, a, a level of awareness and sensitivity and you understand these concepts, then all of the things that would go into that chart that you're asking for, you will make sense. We call, like, it, we call that closeology. Okay. Yeah. It's like having sufficient intuition to get really close to the solution without having going through all the brain damage of... to get it precise. Nice. And, um, you know, Enrico Fermi was the guy who sort of really came up with that idea in physics where you know, he sort of knew everything, sort of one of the last guys to sort of know everything. Everything, okay. And I think they're even called Fermi problems, but maybe it's a Fermi solution where using the abstract concepts of math and physics, he could get really close really quickly to the answer. Okay. And not have to spend, you know, hours getting to the with without answer. Without being idiot savant totally style just but but by base understanding the yep. base concept absolutely i mean honestly i think that uh, uh, um i i might have to describe myself in that way regarding fitness is the, the, but see, but is that, that because way. i can get really close and close is all that matters and we all should be because does our body really know the difference between no three times five you know what a was, month from now what was it today michael um aaron said oh yeah i told him to stop doing five sets of five so he started doing four sets of four i'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, like wait what wait that he he thought because he went from a prime number to an even number like it made a huge difference i mean I obviously say, the total of both is not a prime number but you know can't all be perfect and it can't all be perfect yeah. so this is the uh the quadrant analysis uh yeah. for, that i got from mathematics that should look fairly familiar to anybody uh <laughs> man are we gonna have to post a photo of this in the show notes which don't exist <laughs> No, you're going to have to buy my ebook on oh, page 655. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the idea behind this, like when I saw this, I am, it immediately extrapolated everything that I know almost about every subject and, and pointed me in a really, like, really easy, identifiable thing that we're always trying to teach people is like most of the good, easy stuff happens in the simple, shallow area, right? So this is just an X, Y axis. Yeah. That's all it is. And on, on the x-axis, we have simple complex. On the y-axis, we have shallow and profound. And in the, in the quadrants, we have things that point to ultimately what the most profound complex subject is, which is usually behavior in any given subject that's human-related. Um, this like this kind of changed a lot of things for me because, it, A, it took something that I'm learning and applying to something that it clarified a subject that I know really well. And it made it easier and, to and teach maybe other clarified people. how you relate to that subject right. or express it without having had the language to do so before. Right. Yeah. Which is why I picked up math to begin with, because 
I wanted another tool set that like I could not explain the world around me based off of what I had just through vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And that that became like a man, I'm really limited by this thing. I'm going to have to change something. And I think that that we talk about that it, it what gave me some of the power was somebody uh some of the motivation or I would call the will. Um Mark explained this to most people when when like why would you want to get fit why would you want to do this thing well well, you get to see the world around you like just Mm -hmm. draw like how far can you run like Mm -hmm. obviously talking to an ultra endurance head that's not a fucking fun question (laughs) yeah (laughs) because you might know or you might not know and that's both dangerous Um, but to most people they're like oh i could run like six miles ten miles maybe if i had a gun to my head and you're like cool draw a circle it's 10 miles that's your perspective of the world and you're like, what would happen if you could run? If you're seeing through the lens of the runner. Right. Or, or whatever. Or of the, running, yeah. if that's going to be the means. Yeah. And it could, be, it could be cycling. It could be whatever fitness component is. The idea is that we're limited by our ability, our incapability. Our, our geography inability. is right. limited by physical ability. Right. And, and therefore imagination. Right. And so I thought, oh, what, that concept, that, like if we say that the brain is super important and, we, oh, the mind is whatever, fuck it, like... We never actually treat it like that. If we want the mind to actually be able to uh, intuit or uh, describe the world around us, it should have the best tools available, whether that be you know, the uh, allegory to a bike or foot. And, and that's really what I think setting out to do all these things. Like We're still talking about fitness in some regards. We're still talking about like when we're talking about recovery, yes, it's applicable to sports and fitness and whatever, but we're trying to take these concepts for the most part and apply them more generally throughout mm-hmm. life. And that, that that's where it gets really interesting for me, I think. And I think the platform that you have outlined for me that you're that you're building is an expression of that. That, that would be a shock because it seems all like chaos. <laughs> in, in the moment, right? Yeah, for sure. But I I, I think, and, and maybe to, I saw you sort of like, trying to think there when he was talking about the sort of geography or I mentioned the geography thing. And, and for, for one of the things that we've always tried to, um, that we've been working on sort of communicating is, is the, is, is how one's map of opportunity expands as, and we would just say, you know, you, you could limit it and say, as your physical capability increases, if you're the runner and you drew the, you know, 10 mile diameter circle around, you know, your, your current position, um, the more fit you get, then that becomes a 20 mile circle and the map just gets bigger. But if you expand that to, you know, from physical to psychological capability, then everything becomes, I mean, everything that would be a bit much, but, but, but the map just gets bigger. The more that we focus on this sort of, you know, personal Oh, fuck. I'm about to, I got to say it Damn. now that I'm stuck. Yeah. Personal development. Um, <laughs> no, but, the, but the more capable we, we become of, uh, uh, and that doesn't, doesn't mean of like picking up a heavy weight or whatever running further, sure. but it's just, let's say general capability. Then, then the, the map becomes larger. The trails on the map or the paths on the map become, um, highly refined in a way that we, we can, we, we have just opened up ourselves to uh, greater experience, which could, you know, which will influence influence us in some way, and maybe take us completely off that map and onto another one that we never imagined existed before. Mm-hmm. And I think that, in terms of this idea of like conceptual 
Like, what are you trying to do with training? Oh yeah, we got to get this ready, this guy ready to look a certain way on a certain day and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it, you know, and it doesn't happen with everyone because not everyone's open to it. But a lot of times if we're, you know, working on a training project with someone, then at the end of it, it's, you know, um, I would maybe reference Lynn Christian, who, um, she, she, she first came into the, you know, orbit as a, as a business coach and then later, um, uh, inspiration I'd say, because the whole business coach thing didn't work out. Cause I was totally resistant to the idea of someone, you know, <laughs> telling me how to run a business that I was trying to run into the ground. Um, like and, I'm the coach here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm driving this rocket into this crater or I'm going to make a crater with this and, anyway. But, but the idea that, so she almost drowned as a child and then because through the gym she started developing these physical characteristics that made her believe in herself more or allowed her to believe her believe in herself more um and i think it was at 53 she went back and learned how to swim Mm -hmm. and to think like obviously when she almost drowned when she was younger she didn't you know didn't know how to swim uh and that experience you know prevented her from like digging swimming generally for the next X number of years. But then as an adult, when we start thinking of ourselves as like losing our, you know, our plasticity in a way as we age, um, she was one of the people that, that proved that it wasn't true and showed me like, Oh, this whole idea of like, Oh, we'll use the gym as a means to develop certain characteristics. And then suddenly she goes outside and she's doing, you know, Xterra type thing, so outdoor, you know, yeah. triathlons, and that, and that which wouldn't have ever been possible without her believing enough in herself to go back to the, you know, it was a long time she was off that horse, mm-hmm. so to speak, to get back on and try and ride after it, you know, had bucked her off before, and it's like, okay, well, there's something here, yeah, and well, it's and, interesting because anecdotally, it's self evident. Yeah. But then as a metaphor, it becomes liberating. And I think that's what you guys are really tapping into here. That's what it sounds uh, like. A lot of metaphor I, or? <laughs> I, well, no, you, because, I, well, you know, the expansion of the horizons, redrawing the map. It's like, those are all. Um, fucking brilliant marketing concepts, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say you know, anecdotally, it's self-evident. Okay. So this woman, yeah. you know, almost drowned. And yeah. then at 53, she learned how to swim. And of mm. course, her, her life opened up, right? Yeah. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Okay. Good, Anecdotally, good it's self-evident. Yeah. Yes. But when, like what I meant, what I was trying to say is that as a, as, um, as a rubric, <laughs> as, as a rubric to explain what you guys are trying to bring to the world, suddenly it becomes very different because yeah. you're not saying you need to find out what your fears are and confront them. Cause I mean, how many fucking people have said that? Right. Mm-hmm. But I said, Am, 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 I, am, I, am peop- I tracking what you're saying? Because what it sounds Wait, most to me is... of the people who have said that have never been truly scared. <laughs> Coming from someone who has probably been genuinely terrified. <laughs> yeah, I just drop that on you, charlatans. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I've, I've it, never have been. I don't think fa- face your fear is basically the banner for every like strip mall taekwondo place. So, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, the the some of the phrases you guys have used um, sort of as 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 pepper for this <laughs> spice for, for this conversation. I think when you stitch them all together, it presents a very to me at least, not being in your world, it presents a unique 
and compelling way to think about interacting with the process of creating the platform for physical fitness or engaging in the process of getting physically fit, which at its, at its most simplistic is not particularly interesting to me. I, 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 I agree, that it's, <laughs> yeah. especially at this point, that it's not, well, no, I never thought it was that interesting. I don't but, find, it, I don't find what, what I can do with it is, is enormously is, interesting. Yes. <laughs> but like the process of it is like, eh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. develop the skills, but then, you know, and, and that is, okay, maybe in some context, oh, yeah, it's a bit of a tedious sort of thing and that, but ultimately when, the, with those skills acquired, what you can actually do yes. and execute is and and therefore experience and that's why i said as a met as a metaphor as a broader metaphor it's actually quite liberating because people are no longer encumbered with the responsibility of discovering themselves in the gym they are instead being given the tools to discover themselves outside of the gym while they're in the gym and that's a really powerful that's a really powerful way to think about it maybe it's really commonplace for you guys and in the world you're in but it's not what i hear I mean, most of the people I know that are sort of roughly involved in your world, they are in in in, in a certain sense they are narrowing their client's experience to oh, yeah. their interaction, rather than using the interaction as a way to expand their client's experience. Well, I think they they haven't triangulated their monetary dependence yet. <laughs> like, and, and uh, to be honest, like, fuck, we're still trying to work on that too. But sure. but we're not directly like we. We can be more honest because we're not dependent on an income of telling people that this, that like, you got to come to this location. And My black box personally. is better than your black box. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, pun intended. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and, and instead like that, I, this sounds terrible, but most businesses in this industry would do better if they alleviated that as well by not pretending to be the epicenter of self-discovery, yeah, yeah, but yeah. by providing skills that could allow people self-discovery. So it is. It is as perhaps as simple as it as it sounds. But but not, then if it, we take it back to let's just say the the rest wise business model of like <laughs> most of the fitness places want want the client to come into and 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 they want to keep them there. They want yeah, to be like this totally this long term sort of thing where ultimately the utility of the tool is in the maybe short term learning experience that one has with it. Be introduction that, and education. And liberation. Yes, exactly. And that applies to the gym as well. But I don't think, you know, especially the people who are monetarily dependent on it, like, I need more clients to keep the lights on. And if you leave, then sure. it's going to be kind of dark in here. And that's reality, um, right? We can't mm-hmm. dismiss reality. No. We can't. We, well, uh, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> I mean, no. That, that, yes, yes. Uh, obviously, earning a living is a reality. But if, if you can't, if you are a trainer and you have a gym... And you can't afford to uphold the initial ideals that, you know, compelled you slash allowed you whatever to open that gym. Um, You know, when those ideals would cost you clients, Mm -hmm. you need a different fucking job. Mm -hmm. You need to go into real estate. You need to like be involved with things that are commodities. Do something that makes way more money than owning a gym. Oh, fuck it. You know, it doesn't even matter about making more money. (laughs) Just, just don't be of social disservice. Um, by perpetuating this, you know, this, this dependency ideal. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that is, you know, the, 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 one of the things that, that I realized, like, I can, look, I want to, okay, I want to go and learn martial arts. I don't want to be a lifelong fucking thing. I want it to be a thing that I can, that I learn. I spend, okay, I spend five years doing it. I spend 10 years doing it, whatever. But I want, I want to learn, a, a, you know, this skill and this um, self sort of awareness or whatever it is that allows me to be, 
autonomous and go out and ex- experience, like feel comfortable going into uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And that, you know, it could come from martial art, it could come from fitness, it could, from, could come from fucking calligraphy. I don't know. But, but, the, but this idea that I, I go and I got to stay. Well, fuck. That's that's the career dead end that I'm trying to avoid. That's yeah. the life experience dead end. I want to. I don't want to necessarily be a dilettante and flit from one thing to another because I can't. You sure. know, I'm fear of missing out. I'm like doing taekwondo and they're doing kung fu, and I fuck. Maybe they're going to be more capable than me because you know whatever. Um, it's it's not necessarily that. It's just that look. Once I have acquired. Once I've had the experience that, 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 that like leads me to that liberation in a way, I probably ought to follow the liberation model rather than yeah. sticking with this thing that, I mean, it's, I hate to, you know, quote that Seth Godin fella, but you know, what gets you here won't get you there. <laughs> and I- if you get fit here, that's not necessarily going to be, th- be the thing yeah. that's going to you know that same behavior isn't going to get you. I'll say it was a uh, a, a Sufi proverb before that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. the, the one of the first things I wrote down when you started talking about Restwise, what um, was the the business model problem? And I highlighted it down here. Be and it, it's come back to that, which I think is really interesting. Is like most people start a business based on the fact that uh, you need us. Like you need to come to us. We have the thing that you want, the mm-hmm. commodity. We have the scarcity. We have the, we have the thing. And setting up something different is provoking, but it does need, forgive me, a paradigm shift in, in commerce. But the uh, you need you after I teach you is basically what we want to sell. Like yeah. there's still something to purchase there. I'm not getting, I'm not, you know, socializing this thing. Um, but we're just identifying the, the term limits so that, that people can actually make progress because this whole business model of uh, residual incomes by increasing amounts is going to like, that's a topple waiting to happen e- economically. Mm-hmm. Like you, you eventually can only charge so much for Netflix and, and increase charges. And now businesses are copying that model where like, oh, we need to, well, I, I think the big, and maybe you can comment on this as an e- economic problem, how I understand it. The Milton, you know, economic system of extra, like extracting value is dead. Like you can no longer have these third parties extracting value. I think Airbnb and all these other companies have have shown that like drastically. Like, look, get rid of the middleman. They're not doing anything. Why do you need a used car salesman or a car salesman, period, to tell you what's on the piece of paper that's on the window of the car that you're going to buy anyway? Mm -hmm. Like you don't need that person. Therefore, they're a strain on the economy. They take an income. Yeah, they buy some shit, but they're more or less producing kids and families that also don't amount to anything. They're, talk about regression to the fucking mediocre. That, that's mostly what's happening. And instead we have, okay, we're pushing a business model that's a bit different. We're selling value like as opposed to extracting it out of a system. Like there, there's just nothing, I mean... How, so how I would we, express that a little bit differently. I would say that profits are always a function mm-hmm. of an inefficiency in the market. They are a, they are an economic manifestation of an inefficiency in the market. So for to use your used car example, mm-hmm. before the internet, and you could get on mm-hmm. and check, you know, usedcars.com, wherever the hell people go to buy used cars on the <laughs> internet, um, you could only go to a very small number of places that could sell you a used car. Mm-hmm. And so there's a geographic inefficiency and information asymmetry that resulted in that salesman being able to make a living 
out of selling used cars. And to your point, those guys have been disintermediated. He had a value. He had yeah, a value. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. He had at, a value. At, at a certain point. And yeah. those people have been disintermediated. Those roles have been disintermediated, but they've been reintermediated by a technology platform. I mean, Airbnb isn't saying you don't need a middleman. Airbnb is saying you need us as the middleman. Exactly. They just replaced they, the middleman with, with re, potentially it's a, a, it's, um, it's, it's a more cost efficient reintermediation. Yeah. Which isn't, uh, well, so it doesn't. And improve by the way, economy, this whole sharing economy thing, yeah. it's like, I think we ditch that word and say it's the I'm monetizing my idle assets economy. <laughs> it's not fucking sharing. <laughs> sharing is like, would you like to borrow my lawnmower? That's yeah. sharing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or here, I have some ice cream. Have some. Hi, you've got a lawn. I've got yeah, a lawnmower. This is, I'm, Let's I'm, meet. I'm monetizing my idle assets yeah. economy. I, I, I'm not using my lawnmower right now. Therefore, it is available for you. <laughs> to, bar- therefore, to rent. Yeah, to rent. Um, <laughs> not unlike that whole self-driving car thing mm-hmm. that, and I can't remember the, the, where I read about this, but I've got my self-driving car and I, I, it, you know, and it drove me to work. But now my car is out like basically acting like a taxi. Yeah, it's picking people up. And picking pe- it's picking <laughs> people up. I'm just like here doing my other job while my idle assets yeah. are at work. Yeah. I mean, that's not a... That's I'm very sorry. I hijacked your whole, oh, no, that, I hijacked no, your whole you, question. I don't think you hijacked it at all. No. I think, it, I think you just, brought up the point that like in a, in a useful manner. And this is... But, but people that go to make money like let's just make the objective what what most people think that it is like we need to make a profit somehow you call it an inefficiency of commerce but it's also an inefficiency of government and rule as well like you you we try to separate the two you can't like there there's inefficiencies there that are built in because we have laws regulating things that don't need to be laws anymore blah 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 blah, blah. licenses certifications exactly like doppel is the fucking strain on the economy like it's never been but the other strain is you got to admit that it's overpopulation to some point like the there isn't enough to go around therefore we're extracting value out of system the where i find the problem with is the you the, the people that make generally the most I did, amount I of money. I didn't imagine you were a Malthusian, but I'll let, I'll, I'll let that run a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so I mean, Malthus. We got to remember Malthus's correct calculations were correct. Mm-hmm. What he couldn't have imagined was that some scientist in Switzerland was going to figure out how to fix nitrogen and increase crop yields by six X. And then that same scientist would create something that basically killed yeah. hundreds of thousands of people. I'm definitely gas. not a technologist, yeah. but, and, but I think often <laughs> the limits of our imagination, our reflection, I mean, our despair or mm-hmm. whatever is a function of our limits of our imagination. <sighs> Yeah, you know, math your way, math, yeah, I, I math to, your way out of that one. <laughs> I, I had to, I had to like repeat I'm, that I'm in just, my head a couple of times. I'm just, hey. I'm just totally having fun. I, 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 yeah. I think that similarly to the conversation we had, you know, quite a while ago about the limits of extrapolation. Well, so this the, to to bring it because I am coming to it like, and I, I do agree that the capitalist market slash with some social benefit because it's not a purely capitalist form of work. That is the best system that we have involved. It just has to be rechecked and rechecked and refurbished and then rechecked. Dude, that's that's what times. my that's what my TED talk is all about. Oh fuck, fuck. So <laughs> right on. Spot on. Okay, so that, yeah. that's that's it's where... not a static system. No, I no, mean, no. It needs and, to and it's like and I've I've been having these conversations for the last couple <laughs> years with people where I'm like you guys understand that ev- the capitalism is an evolutionary animal, mm. right? Evolution as defined by random applications of stress right. and the random responses there too, uh, right? And, and, to yes. think what, and to think what Mark was saying earlier about, you know, I think of what, I think what you were sort of saying was I'm an evolutionary animal. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't always what I'm evolving to because evolution is by definition random. You're just it's, you're yeah, just yeah. making sure that you are always in some state of environmental stress, triggering adaptation and evolution. Whereas most people prefer to be in a state of the absence of De- discomfort, the absence of discomfort, yeah. and some sort of stasis, which um, w- which then would become comfortable. Totally. Yeah. And you 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 find that I mean obviously unappealing, but unnerving. Probably like the idea of stasis is intolerable, <laughs> intolerable, it, or, or or something of of just like okay, if I'm if I'm if I'm okay, if I gotta be here, yeah, because I can't, you know, pull the trigger that one time. I wouldn't do that anyway because make a mess. I've got to figure <laughs> out. Like, I'm thinking like a double fentanyl lollipop or something like that, you know. But anyway, but if I got to be here because I don't have the courage to leave, then I need to make it useful. Yeah, yeah. and 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 to to um. And to make it, and for it to be interesting in in some way, and it's not like I go and oh, I mastered this, and I went here and I mastered that, and I, you know, I accomplished this. I stood on, I conquered that fucking mountain. Yeah. No, that motherfucker <laughs> tolerated me long enough for me to like question my own, you know, many of rather my own decisions in, the, in, in the life. right a, weather window, rather than <laughs> flick me like a booger. But exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just figured and, out that most people have this anxiety of, of death. And, and like, oh, I'm not going to be anymore and I can't have all my stuff. And really, I think my anxiety and possibly yours, basically how you're, you're talking, is I don't want to fucking be in the way. Yes. Like, I, I really like it. It's unnerving to think like in line, anywhere, on, in traffic, wherever I'm at. If I'm in the way, I'm a fucking liability. And I don't want to be a liability. Therefore, a lot of stress is put on being the best version of whatever this skin robot is. And then getting the fuck out of the way so i'm i'm completely with you on the i don't uh, of trying not to be in the way and and it became if i like refer to a physical sport context Mm. um when we were in michigan and i was just starting to i i was in like i was learning how to ride a mountain bike if you recall i i ended up on the ground rather a lot (laughs) Um, and I would always, if, if I was riding behind somebody, I would, ri- I, I would ride in a certain way. And there was this kid, Dan, and he was, uh, uh, I met him at Stony or something one day and we were riding and like, he was a pretty fit dude. And we started talking and we did a bunch of rides together. And one day, um, and one of the more technical places that we went to ride, it was far from, uh, it was like an hour from Pontiac. I can't remember exactly where it was. Um, and he just said, dude, go first. And. I rode like a motherfucker to not be in his way. And he, and he just said, dude, you up your game. I don't know how many levels by being in front. And I said, Dan, I was just trying to get out of your way. He's like, I can I, barely keep up. And not, not that. Cause he was super good. He's like former downhill racer, competitive oh. guy who competed a lot, but it was, but, but in a way, sure. it was, it was that like the motivation was not to be a problem for someone else. Whereas if I was riding behind him, you know, my job, I've just got to keep up, you know, whatever. And, and whether I have greater potential than that, it's, it's, it, I am self-limiting in a way, but it's being limited by whatever he does. I'm like letting him decide. But then when I'm in front, like, I'm just like, I, 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 I fuck. He's so, he's such, uh, he's so much the better rider than I am. I'm slowing him down. Therefore, I need to like 
fucking keep my hands off the brakes and just go for it. So there's <laughs> not to not to give a black and white fallacy, but there there's an identifier here. You're either the person that uses the left lane to pass or you're not. <laughs> yeah. Let's one is useful, the other is not. <laughs> so there's a reason that Prius in the left lane is a Instagram handle (laughs) (laughs) photographs of sorry yeah that's actually pretty good people Uh, not using you know just driving in the left lane just (laughs) coasting as far as I can tell most of the time uh, yeah I think they're power saving mode (laughs) 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 which makes my anxiety mode go off yeah Um, so before uh, the tangent what I was what I was (laughs) no it was a useful tangent it really was um, which is unusual for us but uh, what I'm trying to get is like the the model doesn't like money is an abstraction is going to fail sometime. Like the w- what you're talking about with inefficiencies when all that in, with profit is an ineffic- inefficiency. We're talking about bartering is is efficient. Like yes. trading one item for the next is the most efficient means of transaction. Granted that that seems like an uncivil thing here because man, how am I going to get all my nice shit or whatever? <laughs> What I want to like bring this focus back is like a business model that works and and because this becomes important because a lot of people will like, well, why don't you guys, oh, they train Hollywood people, they're rich and they do this. And it's like, no, uh, we quit jobs that were well paying and decided like conscientiously decided not them to, to do something else. And we also have to figure out a way to make a living doing that thing without giving up what we're talking about, which is integrity to Mm me. And being, as opposed to somebody who extracts value out of a system, say, uh, even an Airbnb is like, oh, I've got a house. I've got this thing. I can make money while it's not in use. Uh, Or if I work on Wall Street for a hedge fund, oh, I do all these transactions. I take a a premium and a cream, like skim off the top kind of deal. I think it should be noted. It should be talked about more often that that is not an integral way necessarily to yeah you can make money and it's honest i'm not saying it's dishonest but it's not the best way to develop as a person no i know i have a lot of friends who are in the hedge fund business and i don't think that many of them would disagree with you yeah i i figured this much like i'm not caught they're they're very intelligent like i know a couple people that work in that industry hyper intelligent they went where the smell of cheese was and they're now trapped because they Make a certain amount of money, have a certain lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Trapped. It, it, it's a it's a bad feedback loop. Um, but if a gym, who okay, if you start a gym for, you have to admit that you're not in for the big bucks. Like that. That's just it's a square footage. It's a time problem. Sure. Sorry. Um, there's only so many people. There's it only so many. Doesn't scale. No, it does. It, it doesn't scale, which should also be a bad word. But I'll there's no cheese here. There, there, <laughs> there isn't. So if you aren't going to have a multi-million dollar idea or think that you're developing this thing, why not do it with like huh. the the practice being that I want good people in my space and I want to cultivate an environment that people can't buy. No, you have money. You can't fucking get in here. Yeah, like you're not good enough, or you don't supply this thing. And one of the rules that we no, you won't contribute. You'll take right. more than you than you contribute. Exactly, which I think is where you were just going. Then, so one of the things that like we talked, we joked about the the escrow account. That was a serious thing, and and it really does work because now when we're at the end of this one, uh, this guy that did the transformation, people wonder like, oh, so is he just in because he you know he lost fifty three. He was one eighty nine today. He lost fifty three pounds in three months like he has completely God. transformed his life is that, we, even, is that even healthy 
Oh, if you yeah, ask I'm, him, I'm, I'm, he, um, I'm being rhetorical, but his quote up there: "I'm just a better-looking, chubby guy." Clark, that was <laughs> <laughs> so. And 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 okay, I got to stop you yeah, here because yeah. is that even healthy? Who fucking cares? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. In a way, like because for sure, fifty-three pounds heavier was unhealthy. Mm, totally. The yeah. fact that he lost it in that amount of time, um, it, I would say it's unhealthy in the sense that he it's too short a time to develop lasting habits well i guess that, that was sort of my question but and but you know there's a follow-up piece where now we enforce upon him you know we're gonna t- we, he gets turned loose and he needs to uh hit some objective uh, ob- objectives mm. that have been established on his own to prove that the habits have been learned. Um, but as far as like the, okay, is it, is it even healthy? And you're just like, well, okay. Yeah, when people get into those positions, it's an immaterial question actually. Well, no, 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 no. It's, it's a, it, it's a, it's a universally asked question. It's just like, because you just asked what the, the you know the writer for the BBC would ask sure. if you know we were having the same conversation is that healthy sure. I don't give a fuck yeah yeah I don't believe that 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 he cares one way or the other because okay so yeah the the previous you know his his condition three months ago was probably unhealthy and you could argue that either way but the but the main thing is like why do you, why are you asking me whether this is healthy yeah. The, the, because that's not the, the 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 issue. That's he's not coming in here going, "I want to lose a bunch of weight in a very healthy and sober manner," or something which is guided by science and this and that. <laughs> like, no, you need some irrational. Sh- you got into this problem mm-hmm. in this very progressive um, lack of awareness kind of you know whatever. You need some kind of radical intervention. And and I, so so I see it in these weight loss situations where it doesn't matter. If the process is healthy, as long as the condition that you attain at the, you know, after X amount of time um, will ultimately be healthier for you. Okay. And stabilized. And and stable. Yes. So, and that's what we're setting out to test because what we learned on a lot but, of these. But hang on one second. Let me, just, let me yeah. just, but, but this also has to do with performance mm-hmm. because people, um, you know, someone saying that I do this and I do that and I'm exercise at super high intensity. I participate in these sports at a really high level. Um, and, and some people look at that and they go, well, that's unhealthy. And I'm go, yeah, but that's because I am pursuing a life of performance, mm-hmm. willing to sacrifice health in order to have that performance. Mm-hmm. And I will, I'll pay down the road. I'm not going to ask you to pay. Mm-hmm. I got to buy my, you know, deal with my own, you know, whatever comes from that. But, I, I think for the most part that like high level athletic performance is not is by definition not healthy. Totally agree. And so I think this you know rapid high performance sort of you know body recomposition stuff is not healthy. But we can potentially guide someone to the point where they have the where they're in a in a place and they have the skills and the knowledge to potentially have a you know a more healthy sort of existence but i don't think that that is what's motivating most people in the first place i think that whole question of like is it healthy is 
asked by people who, you know, who can't do it themselves, who use like, I'm, I'm trying to be healthy. I'm not saying you, obviously. But, but, <laughs> I was like, no, but, mate, yeah. I mean, was it great uh, uh, to spark uh, this much of a response? From but, a but, but, but that idea of like... considered question. Well, no, it's not even, it's not poorly considered. That's sort of like the knee-jerk thing, but is that healthy? I'm like, well, are you, are, excuse me, are yeah. you, and I'm, let's just, let me to ca- characterize you in the sort of, of overweight journalist right now. Sure. I mean, and, and you're going to say, but is that healthy? And I will ask you, I'm like, well, are you, is the reason that you're in the condition you're in, that you're so concerned about your health that you won't undertake the same kind of process? Mm, yeah. Because clearly what you're doing makes your knees, the way you live right now makes your knees hurt a little bit, doesn't it? Like you walk around as your overweight self. As your overweight self. I'm not talking about like cartilage delamination or something like sure. that because damn, we were going to hit that. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, 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 but that's the, this whole idea is like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, but it's not healthy. I'm like, dude, you're on antidepressants. Yeah. Like that ain't healthy either. That's a great, like, it's a really simple flip of the question, which is yeah. really <laughs> illustrative of how stupid the question is. Well, it's, I don't think that it's stupid, it, that it, it, it's common because the understanding is that fitness and health are not mutually exclusive. And that like, breaking that down because we oh well they're the same category magazine health and fitness so they must go hand in hand hmm. and when you stop <laughs> like, or like i don't know how yes. people extrapolate the thing like how did those two things become like yeah, it's not even I health mean, and spelled out it's it, health and symbol and fitness yeah <laughs> but given this idea like what we learned on most of these jobs is like yeah okay they're intense or a little bit some people that aren't used to the intensity would call it unhealthful um, one of the limiting factors for us, um, I guess, invest, investment-wise would be, man, if they can't keep it after, they didn't really learn. Yeah. Right? Like that, and, that, and that's on us. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. our fault. Like, we weren't able to transmit that. So when we took on this one specifically, uh, it was, well, let's see if this idea works in the real world. Now, he he has another 20 pounds to lose. But the idea in this intermittent, so we, we knew we would get to a certain spot in about three months. Um I knew I would cut him loose. Nobody else knew this. But the idea is that, hey, you've been learning for three months. Let's go see. Let's. This is a test to what see. What have you internalized? What have you, what have you learned? Yeah. So go. you're not allowed here. Now, you're allowed to talk. You can message us anytime. Like, if you have questions, any of that stuff can be answered. Um, but you've got to figure it out. Like, the requirements are that when you come back, you need a margin of of advantage over when you left like you need more weight loss gone you need performance metrics that you need to hit you need to show me that outside of this place you can become somebody who adds something to this place when you're in it otherwise we're not interested and the funny thing is like that the i mean to me today it's just like uh, uh placing so he still believes in the in the importance of the guides mm. Right, and so he's not ready to be cut. Nobody wants to get kicked out of the nest. No. I'm like, dude, it's a long way down. If I don't fly, I'm gonna uh-huh. fucking leave a stain. Um, and and so he then is like, well, what about this other guide? Hmm. Like asking about you know a, a, another facility here in Salt Lake City. That like if we if he gets kicked out of here, where's he gonna go? I'm like, no, 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 dude. This is this is. <sighs> Does the name Kwai Chang Kane mean anything to you? <laughs> Grasshopper. <laughs> like, like, 
just walk the earth, just, man. Just, <laughs> exactly. And I emphasize that you walk a lot of miles. You want to keep that weight off, you're going to have to do a lot of walking. But mostly, like, go out and experience, you know, have experiences yeah. and, and have these. It, in, instead of going from like, oh, this guide ditched me, you know, like fired me, I need to go to another guide. I'm like, no, you, I, if we have done our job and you can accept that, which after only three months is, 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 is a tough ask, the guide that you need is already in you yeah, because yeah. you did this three month learning process. Yep. I mean, we cycle it back to yeah. the attrition thing or, you know, like, okay, I learned enough to, to how, to, you know, to be able to use this, to be able to be sensitive to my sort of recovery status, if you will, if we want to take it back to the sort of rest wise, um, uh, uh, lesson, but really for him, like it's a belief thing. And, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, one of those things I'm like, okay, dude, on the way out the door, I, I would love to give you a sword or whatever it's going to, whatever, <laughs> like the you elixir <laughs> need that, that will allow you to believe in yourself as the guide, because you have learned enough here. If you have, as you said, um, internalized it, yeah, paid yeah. attention. Yeah. You know, something you said earlier, Michael, really caught my ear only because I think a lot about businesses and business mm-hmm. models. And um, I don't think that you and I have um, have necessarily a shared perspective mm-hmm. on capitalism. But you said, you know, because we know that this is not going to be a billion dollar business, we are liberated from the tyranny of the expectation attached mm-hmm. to that idea. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we can. Che- I don't think that's exactly what you said. But that's how I heard it. <laughs> that was that's it beautiful. sounded way yeah. better than me. Yeah, and, 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 and you said, me. and there, and you said, and therefore, we can choose. Mm. We, we can be quite discerning for who we want around us. And I think that's actually like really profound. In a, mm. that's a really profound way of thinking about it because most of us, most of the people that I talk to who start who, who want to start businesses, they're not rational enough to realize the economic limitations of their idea. Oh, right. yeah. but, and but, so they are encumbered by those expectations. I, mean, I, t- I talked to this one guy. He was a good dude. He wanted to, he wanted to start um, a, gu- a guitar store. Um, and he had inherited a little bit of money, and he was going to invest this money. And this was before the Internet, so it wasn't like he could – he was competing against online guitar stores. But he wanted to start a guitar store. And this was up in Ketchum, up in Idaho. And um, he was a musician and really liked music, and he knew his shit. He was clearly an expert, and and he showed me his business – model that he, he'd sort of by 2048 everybody works for him well no it was, even, <laughs> <laughs> it was even it was even more simple than that he said he needed to sell x number of guitars and he had a plan of how he was going to do it and i said all oh, that makes uh, so basically what you're telling me is you're going to sell every single person who lives in the wood river valley a guitar about every five years he was like well, 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 no, I hadn't thought about that. I was like, well, that's what your profit margin and your net profitability lead you to. Like, if you want to make $100,000 a year, mm-hmm. this is how many guitars you're going to have to sell. And he had never done that exercise. Yeah. And so he was he was framing it not from the perspective of what is the viable business here, but rather, what do I think I need to be able to be making? Right. And to hear you say, look, we know it's not a billion-dollar business. It's a gym. There's limits mm-hmm. there. So let's make, let's, why not make that really explicit? And invite the people to join this community who we believe we want to spend our time with. And it's like, that's just, I don't know, maybe that's really obvious to you guys, but that's I mean, to flip not that, common. N- flip that not on its head, but on its side and <laughs> say that when people start a business and l- let's just say that, you know, all of the math is in place and they look at it, but no one looks at it like, wow, my business model 
implies that these are the people that I'm going to have around me mm-hmm. every day that I go to work. <laughs> like, well, I, I, and I can just say that right now, I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a job, actually. But I do go to a place pretty much every day. Yeah. And I am around the people who I want to be around. In a, in a way, and it, and it, and and if the economic imperative was harder, pushing harder, not just related back to you know my former business of like there are people there and ideas there that I didn't want to be around, hmm. but the economic imperative being driven from within that organization sure. imposed those relationships, hmm. and 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 when that biz- when we started that business, it was it was sort of like. Uh, Invite. We just hit three hours. By oh, the way, nice. um, the, <laughs> uh, but the economic there's, there's hardly any alcohol fueling this conversation oh, either. So. Exactly. <laughs> I've had one I mean, beer. It, <laughs> had water. I, had water. <laughs> and and you're on. What else? You what else are you on, Michael? Nothing. Come on, little BHB in there. No, nothing. not not today. Yeah, not today. God damn. Had a burrito. <laughs> Tacos al pastor for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mexican yeah. food flies. I mean, but 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 that that I you know the the uh, the, the idea that it was economic imperative driving you know what um, ultimately become personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh my, that's not ever mm-hmm. factored into the business model, the investment model. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to say like. Um, Okay, this business is not going to die when I run out of clients to sell my guitars to. Let's just say this business is going to die when my fucking business partner pisses me off and I want to kill him. And I actually yeah. do. And then I bury his body in the back and then he gets found and then I go to jail and the business has to you know, go. But, <laughs> but, um, but, the, but, but, but there are these interpersonal things. And, and when you know, there, was a, there was a point there where some people were you know, looking into um, – uh, it, well, we're, we're assess- let's just say we're, we're assessing the value of the company and realizing that the value of the company is, you know, has certain risk factors to it because of the key personnel issue. Mm-hmm. And if this person is no longer involved in the business, then the value of the business goes down. Um, and, and I think that is, that's not something people look at when they're trying to develop a business and going and looking for investors and go like, look, this person that I've hired to be my business partner, you know, they're bringing a lot of the value. And so they are a risk factor in a sense, Mm -hmm. if they go away in terms of the business thing, you know, if our relationship sours, let's say, um, and, and and so, so not only is there like these false sort of economic models that people don't understand that I got to sell a guitar to everybody. (laughs) <laughs> within driving distance, <laughs> you know, whatever, once every five years. Um, okay, okay, so that's some, something that you don't see, but it's also that whole idea of like the personal relationships that, that we don't necessarily see, that that the business is predicated on the fact that we have a good relationship, that Michael and I right now, we we key off of each other, that the, 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 the conversations that we have develop into business ideas that can actually be sold to make money or be, you know, something like that. And um, I think we've, and I look at that and I go, yeah, I'm not worried about it this, you know, right now because we've been good. We've been bad. We've fallen out. We've come back together. We've realized the p- 
power of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So that part I'm not worried about. There's other stuff that, you know, if this is going to be a business, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got to look into that shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> Michael, you're studying math. Fucking excellent. Because uh, <laughs> math is closely tied to economics. And you're going to be that part. I'm just going to be over here talking shit. Um, <laughs> but, but, but those are those. Th- Here's those, a book on accounting. D- you you it, might enjoy it. it. Yes, please. <laughs> no, we hire that. That's, uh, that, that, uh, that's outsourced. Sorry. <laughs> um, but 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 this but this this idea of all of the factors that come into these these things that that you know some guy in the middle of his transformation could be utterly sabotaged by his partner yeah. husband wife whatever he, you know her partner whatever um, because nobody like you never factor that in in the beginning you're just like I'm willing to do all the work I'll do this I'll do that and then somebody else is like here Coca Cola is tasty. We should have one together each day while we discuss our day or, or yeah. ice cream is off, you know, yeah. wh- or, or whatever, whatever that means. I mean, those are all the kind of things that aren't factored in to maybe some, um, like that's the, I, I would look at that and I would say, okay, there's the hidden economics mm-hmm. of these situations. And when we diligence um, investments, we actually focus pretty intensely on oh, I believe it. the relationships and history and how long they've been together and this is a de novo investment and how what are the risks and where do they sit yeah so i think you're spot on do you have this um a part of when things were <clears throat> turning south they weren't they weren't pivoting they were turning um <laughs> turtling. They were turtling they were, they were turtling with my former organization that's had, definitely not a band word <laughs> yeah that's, that's an encouraged word yeah. turtling I, turtling i like it because <laughs> totally. that's either in jujitsu where you roll up into a ball and take your beating or it's in sailing when the mast goes into the water yeah i know the last one yeah. the first one's colorful (laughs) (laughs) just get as tight as you can it's gonna hurt for a really long time (laughs) fuck i don't yeah you just uh, sorry (laughs) help me please get back it was was on your business turtling oh oh my business was turning turning the business was turning yeah you were asking a question I, about about us some, about investing and <laughs> diligencing something and due diligence I, you know i can't i lost it okay. oh yes I, well I, so there is this idea and maybe i probably come shouldn't back to like it. dig too well, deep into that wound anyway because <laughs> it's still festering <laughs> your the, brain was in was compartmentalizing it as you were speaking yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned something really interesting because i, I think uh, well jim specifically and this this is something I identified when we tried to go buy a gym a couple of years ago that was up for sale. And we identified first and foremost that most gyms are uh, half-assed acknowledgements of just wanting a career outside of working for somebody else. Like they're the entrepreneurial, I don't even have an equivalent to it. I, the entrepreneurial fucking 5K charity run. Like it's like, uh, I could do that. I could open a bar. Yeah, I could fucking, yeah, you know. But I really like drinking, so you yeah. guys can come in. And it's the same idea. And one thing that we decided right off the bat was like, okay, it cannot be based on a quote-unquote rock star owner, right? So like, I'm the best trainer in the area, and everybody's going to come to me, and I know all the secret knowledge. If the business is going to be worth anything, it actually has to be centered on the people who are members at the gym. It can't be centered on the person who's highlighting because that person sells it. Well, everybody goes with the person who's the rock star. Yeah. So you almost have to dilute this power into the economy within that system. And that, that mitigates like, okay, now the now the company's actually worth something, not just the person who owns the company. Yep. Um, and that idea is lost on a lot of people because, you know, everybody wants to be the Elon Musk. We want to like, 
I know I want the billion dollar company. I want to run the shit. I want Ferraris and I want to get cash, bro. Or like whatever the, I don't, <laughs> I don't even have words for it because I think it's such a, like a, a generalized but accepted theme that you need to hustle and grind and then you get Lamborghinis and bitches. Mm-hmm. And this is like, you, you totally misunderstand human no, behavior. Lam- you, Lambos. Lambo. Oh, sorry. I missed the yeah. popped collar version of the word. You could be Lambos. You get tired and bitchy <laughs> is pretty much what you get. Right. And, and, As opposed to tires and bitches. And That's also, right. And I don't know how this, like when I think about it, like it doesn't honestly matter necessarily. Don't take this the wrong way because I don't want to ruin the cap. Because I think we agree on capitalism more than you think. Um, but what I don't, uh, <laughs> that is Phil. Um, what I think uh, is missing from this conversation with some people that get into like the space of businesses is the fact that luck is a predominant factor in almost everything. Like a shocking, uh, like I okay. This, I, we we have embraced hard, right? the myth of the meritocracy in order to okay, justify. Yeah. So that's where I was going with it. Like I didn't want to sound more because I'm definitely. I am for capitalism. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It sounds like I have this bleak view of it only because I hate human nature with capitalism, which we, I think we advertise the idea that if you just work hard and stick with the system, eventually you'll be a millionaire. Yeah. Like, oh no. And the people don't want to recognize a, that winning that course in life is as much as becoming um, a, an Olympian as it is is becoming a millionaire. Totally, it, it, you can work your ass off. You can literally, and you should. You should work very hard. But those are the table stakes. Yeah, like yeah, those are the table stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grinding hard, yeah. whatever. It's a given, right? Those are the given for people who want to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to make a million dollars, which capitalism affords with right. a great big d- dollop of luck. Right. I mean, I, I like, I like to think of a little bit about um. Yes, where where you know, to put this on to me? Like, where have I been lucky? Right. So I was I was born into a family with mm. with a fair amount of privilege to a very well educated man who prioritized education for his children and who was willing to pay for as much education as they could get. Mm. And I was born sort of at the very tail end of the baby boom as a middle as a white man mm. with you know reasonable facility for language, reasonably high EQ, and a capacity to process a lot of information and regurgitate it in a way that sounds fresh and interesting. Mm-hmm. And at a time when financial services were um, engorged on an asymmetrically large share of GDP. So compensation within financial services was much higher than it ever has been in history. Hmm. And so here I am, like perfectly positioned to be paid ludicrously relative to my contribution to society. Mm-hmm. That's not a meritocracy. Hmm. I don't deserve to get paid much more than a teacher. Right. But that is the system that we have. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I'm going to give all my money away. Sure. Right? Of and, course not. And maybe, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's sort of what that sort of self-denial well, that's a zero sum game, right? Like you it, doing a, it to it's set a, a, it's an it's a luck stack that is really high for me to be here, right? And I'm not under any illusion around that. And yeah, I'm also reasonably bright, and I've worked really hard in school, and mm-hmm. I've got an entrepreneurial mindset. I've gone, you know, I've gone like you guys have, you know, days and days and days of working fourteen, fifteen <laughs> hour days without taking any. It's like, but that's table stakes. Yeah. And yeah, then you it, have to get lucky as shit. It's it's <laughs> funny because I, I, I hear that and I go, well, yeah, it's totally normal. 
But then I, we are in relationship with people, you know, often who don't look at it that way in, in the sense of no. not, not only, you know, recognizing the luck, you know, it's like, I, I was just reminded of like the, um, t-shirt that Michael wanted to do, you know, that it is my, it's my white male privilege to, to, <laughs> to meet, meet you. you. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know whether those would sell very good. But. <laughs> yeah, like it. But 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 just this, okay. Yeah, there, there's an advantageous sort of um, situation over which we had no control. Yes. But then taking that, like uh, you know, and, and I'll just uh, throw my sister under the bus here. You know, <laughs> because we had the same sort of opportunity, the same sort of situation. That the the, the the outcome was not the same. She's and made different choices. She's yeah, she's made different choices. Um, and but also, uh, but it's not it's not just the it's not necessarily just the decisions. Let's say that you know it's it's maybe execution of those decisions, or yeah. or maybe those choices led down you know dead end streets or whatever. Or but but something like but. Uh, but but just looking at a thing of like oh yeah the fourteen fifteen hour day or when we were doing the first issue of the zine. I mean, I just like to take it back to some more recent history. Like, oh yeah, I said I meant to meet this deadline. Mm. And yeah, it was a ridiculous, it was a stupid deadline. And, it de- and, and that I was here in the office a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, in those nine days of coming up with the first draft of the thing, it was like, and, and as I'd mentioned before, you know, that, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the deadline was, you know, December 15th. Yeah, so... <laughs> 1159 on December 15th, you know, I was here and I, you know, we hit the deadline, but it's only because both of us, you know, we're willing to commit to that thing. Like, and, and I I think think the hard part about that narrative is it implies Mm. that if you are not willing to work hard, you're somehow a moral failure or a loser or whatever. Or if you have worked that hard and you haven't made your millions, like what's up? What, and, but, and but it's not even that. It's just that, that, that is okay. Yeah, there's there's obviously there's a ton of moral judgment that that you know the haves you know make let's say versus the the have nots or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, dude, you're you know, yeah, you were working 15 hours a day. You were working, you know, or you were working wrong or whatever. But like bringing the language of sin into it isn't like it isn't helpful for anyone. Yeah. Um, it's just that look, this is what I do, and I'm not saying that you're any less for not doing that or not being willing or not understanding that that's what it's going to take. And I have worked inefficiently. I have been busy and not productive for fucking sure. Mm. But the, but for me, the idea is, has always been like, oh, I, I kind of, I dig the pain of working hard. I like, mm. I yeah. like being put into this position. I like being backed up against the wall in order to compel some productivity or creativity even. Um, but, and when I go back to what I said to you, I'm like, yeah, that's totally normal, man. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, and it's not a, like, if you don't do that, you won't be this because you could do that as you, as you pointed out and not be successful, not be, um, you know, rewarded for that effort. But it is that type of commitment or, you know, willingness gets you a seat at the table. It does. And and, yeah. and and there's what it's about is just that yeah. that okay it won't guarantee success it guarantees like you get to have a voice you get to sit at the table and have a conversation yeah. um, 
and mm-hmm. and that's the starting point. It's actually Brad Berlin who pointed that out mm-hmm. um, during one of those conversations about standards, I think. And he's like, you hit these standards, it doesn't mean you're successful. And this was in a f- very specific fitness contest um, or context, excuse me. Um, you, you, you hit these standards, <laughs> you don't get to open a gym and make a bunch of money. Yeah. Dude, you get to have a conversation. Yeah. You get the, like that brings you into the orbit of people who are successful and then maybe mm. the relationships that you develop there could potentially multiple I fuck I'm going to say leverage the energy that you're already spending. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, I, I this is uh, the business subject has been well because it's re- probably relative to what we're doing now. So in there's a couple projects where it's become a highlight to identify what pitfalls are unuseful. And I think <laughs> glorification of monetary excess is a pitfall totally and i think like i could compare like you i could throw my brother under the bus even though i don't want to assume anything but he is economically far superior than me and educationally far superior like one of the most intelligent people i've ever met he seems from my perspective like the most miserable existence i was just about to say is that even healthy? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And all I can compare it to is like, uh, yeah, no, it's not healthy, actually. Uh, It's like, yeah, on paper, man, I'm a failure completely. But in my head, I go, I've done always what I've always wanted to do at the moment that I've wanted to do it. That has some kind of value that I can't price. Because people ask like, oh, how did you go there? How did you do this? How did you meet that person? I was like, I... Luck, a total luck and abandonment of anything that had to do with monetary gain. <laughs> but there's, some, there's something so powerful about you, Mark and I were talking about this really the capacity for independent thought and independent uh, action. Like, that is really rare. And yeah. to be able to stand there, as a lot of, um, I think a lot of uh, warriors like to say, stand there in integrity, right? Mm. Um, I mean, I graduated from Ivy League school and I did nothing with it for a decade. And all my friends were busy, you know, marching off to Wall Street or Washington, and my father didn't talk to me for years. And I didn't get my first full-time job until I was 30. Nice. And, you know, and, and it's worked out. Goddamn bike racing. Bike racing and, <laughs> and ski mountaineering and just mucking around, just yeah. mucking around yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's a bizarre note, like honestly, and I, 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 we didn't even get into your endurance efforts, really, but you are quite accomplished in that realm, which, which makes sense for anybody. Like, there is a correlation here between endurance efforts and business models. Like, that a business is an endurance effort. Like, it is a nonstop. Okay, I have to sustain this effort for a really long time. Yep, it's Measured some point in I'm gonna, years because, yeah, like, years. what you brought up before is just like, yeah, I'm just. Been, I've been doing this 25 years and I felt like just in the last few years that I'm starting to be, you know, pretty darn good at yeah. it. Yeah. Like, well, that's the long game if I've ever heard of <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a respectable position. And I think the, the more people hear that, A, I'm lucky. Yeah, I work hard, but that should be a given. Um, and I've been doing this for so long that I'm just now figuring out what I'm doing. The, those messages, I think, are more clarification than what we've been sold for the past I don't know, yeah, hundred years, which give the disillusionment of, you know, if I do the X, and this is where math fails us. Like, what is equal to success? Hmm. Like, numbers cannot amount. Like, you cannot describe it through math. 
and that that's a failing because it it's a human problem. Yeah. Um, because some, like I think of my dad is wildly successful, although he has not been employed for probably a decade now. Uh, he just runs around the country climbing and sailing and doing like little kid shit. Awesome. He has no attachments to anything material. He is completely reliant on just like, oh, I, you know, we're master. You mean his home is, has wheels? Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm sure he has a place to say, I wouldn't yeah. know. I only talk to him once a year, but when I do, it seems like, man, he's really figured out this happiness thing. A, that's at the detriment to everybody related to him because nobody fucking gives a shit about him. But he also doesn't give a shit about anybody else. And so it's like, it's a fine balance. And I find that that's success. If you find balance, that could be successful. Hmm. So it's uh, it's shocking. And I, I wish we could go on literally the subject forever. We'll for sure have to have you back. But uh, your your take on business is, is exceptionally profound for, for people just getting into it. And the fact that you have something to do with uh, fitness and and even well-being, like as a side project to the actual things that you do is like, it shows that people are more capable than what they think they are. Like the fact that you can run a mini empire and then on the side come up with this technology that is useful to athletes and then also participate in ultra activities like that. That's I think more people need to hear that message than, you know, Lambos and pop collars. Yeah, I mean, I could, could probably trot out any number of little truisms that would be tedious. But yeah, I don't think we have any sense of our own capacities most of the time. I just yeah. don't. And I think you guys are exploring them <laughs> and and uh, as you go, but there's not that many people that really do. I I agree utterly mm. and that we, you know, we acquiesce um too easily to uh, the, the the limitations that others have imposed, you know, upon themselves, and that then we just accept them as, mm. oh, that's true for me too because I'm the same. I'm, I, I you know, however I identify on the floor, I'm like similar to this person. They've accepted that limitation, then I'm going to do so too, and 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 then if it becomes a consensus type of thing. Um, it's even harder to break out of. Yeah, and and those and and, and sometimes you know, I mean somebody you know somewhat recently was just like keep doing this podcast thing. I don't really know where it's going for you guys, but <laughs> you know it, it, you know e- even through the <clears throat> from deep inside the rabbit holes that Michael often takes you down. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like the, the I, I can still look back. I, I mean, I see the light from yeah. it in a, in a way. And if there's, and, and I don't want to say like, I want to do a podcast that motivates people to, you know, be better versions of themselves because that would be like me jacking off with my left hand thumb in. Um, <laughs> but just this, but, but, but the idea that we can, that, you know, that there is like, okay, there are people out there doing things in a different way. And that maybe that's uh, that that difference is a okay and b the key. Hmm. I think on that note, thank you very much for coming, man. I, I've oh, this has been super fun for me. I appreciate you coming down. Super fun, yeah, really interesting. Well, it, yeah, I I gotta say, man, I don't know how we're gonna label this one. I'll be honest, like the <laughs> title, like uh, recovery. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm random walk. I, I'm actually going with recovery, and and we'll figure out some like cheeky thing to say after that. But um, wow, this is uh, 
I can't, I can't, whatever. It's been three hours and 20 minutes. And nice. um, I feel like we could easily keep going. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and, and I hope we can do so in the future. Yeah, it'd be, sure it'd be really fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. For-